0: Yeah i i never i never was a i never was a like a morning smoker person. Now i i i i, I did smoke on the way to work, pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. That was like yeah. that was when that was whenever the smoking started for me. <laughs> when you when you the work at the, tech when jobs you, work you know? at the call center when you work oh, at the, call center, the call, center, okay. call center when you work at T Mobile call that's center that's what started, everybody huh? Everybody fucking smoked. Everybody did, and it was like going out on the smoke deck uh, on your break. Was like a small reprieve from like oh yeah the terrible job that working in a call center is oh yeah and everybody went out there you could go out there and you could bitch about your job you could bitch about all the shit that you have to deal with um and it was it was like a sense of community out there
1: yeah and if you're not a smoker you're like getting fucked out of breaks basically yeah exactly yeah yeah that was like that when I was at um Olive Garden yes like wa- yeah. waiting tables back yep. in the day you yep. Know, yep. like everybody there I feel like smoked except me so like I would have nine different people a day. He'd be like, Hey, can you cover my table? They right. should be good. You know, you right. might have to top off their water. They'll be good. Maybe bring them a breadstick, but <laughs> can you, but you, can you cover my table? I'm like, whatever.
0: Yeah, sure. sure. Whatever you want.
1: Eventually I like stopped giving a fuck and started taking my own smoke breaks. Yeah. You know, which a lot of people there did that too.
0: Right. What well, did you actually go smoke or did you just go outside?
1: No, I mean, we'd go outside and smoke a funny cigarette. You right. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of those smoke rakes come back in and like Left-handed suddenly your
1: break. tables are all like much nicer and more enjoyable. <laughs> and like, it's not just a bunch of fat assholes <laughs> who are like bitching that you only brought them one more breadstick. Right. You know,
0: well they paid company for, policy. They paid for, you know, five ninety five for unlimited soup and breadsticks. That's
1: right. Yeah. So, and like, if you want to earn your $1 tip, right. You better keep those fucking things rolling.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, that was
1: a good like life lesson there.
0: I, the last time I went to, um, Olive garden was when I worked <clears> at <throat> my previous Springfield employer and mm. went there with some work people and it was dog shit.
1: And you like, was that back when you ordered it off a fucking tablet?
0: Um, I think they had the tablet thing like sitting on the table yeah. where you could order from it, but I didn't, I didn't do oh, that. Oh, they still
1: had like, you, yeah, wasn't they, like they had
0: required. To, yeah. They just had a server come up, had a plastic menu, all that shit. I mean, this was pre COVID before right, you right. scanned a QR code for your fucking right menu. But, right. um, Yeah but it was terrible. I don't, if I'm. that's, that place is up there with like, um, probably, probably fine place to work, but like that place is up there with like Applebee's for me. And as far as like eating,
1: it was okay to work there. Like it was fine. Like that place is so corporate. Everything is so like everything has a checklist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like the, the worst part about it was just like the demographic in Springfield. Yeah. And like the kind of people you would get who would kind of like come out of the Hills and like, you know, Olive Garden was their like really fancy meal, right? Like Coming it's a special Fran occasion. Room. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go to Olive Garden, you know. <laughs> and then they'd be like, thirteen ninety nine for some spaghetti and meatballs. Well, I can feed my whole family for that much at home, and I'm like, go home and do that,
0: dude. Then go home. Like eat if your you're worried meatballs. about the
1: price of your plate of pasta, like don't fucking eat out. Right. But anyway, that's that makes me an elitist, right?
0: I so I, what I always like. So I've only worked one food job. Bud and Waltz, RIP. Mm. Doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Pizza place in Nixit and it was ran by a bunch of Christian teenagers. So it like wasn't that crazy. But like my have friends that work at that've worked at bars, worked at food restaurants and the stories that I hear oh, are blowing coke off of the table in the back or the you know where they make the food in the back and like people just getting hammered drunk. So I didn't see that,
1: but I well people came in drunk, yeah, right. that happened. And like everybody was stoned too. Right. Um, I never saw anybody doing coat, but there was like a bathroom in the back that was like the employee bathroom. And it was like, you had to walk back through the dish pit and it was like a shithole. Like literally, like you, you you know, supposedly you go in in. there to shit, but like when I had to (laughs) shit, I would not go in there Like it was too nasty. Like I would go out to the customer's shithole, you know, and like shit there. Um, cause like that was just, it was, it was always gross and in disarray, but like what that room was really used for was the uh, dishwasher. Um, he did not make his money washing dishes. Like he was just there washing dishes because that was where his like customer base was. You right. know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. And like he was selling pills and like, he'd, he'd, like he'd like go in there and do something. And like, he'd come out with like a bunch of pills and like a paper towel and hand it to somebody. <laughs> like a customer. No, 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 no. Uh, like oh, uh, like, 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 employees a, like another employee. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. I
0: gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's probably a great place to be if your drug dealers go work at a fucking oh, yeah, food place. Sure.
1: Well, and like the thing about, uh, about the restaurant industry is like, it's all like, like, it's it's people that love to party. Yeah. Like it hardcore is. parties. It sure is. And like you would get done on, you know, Friday or Saturday night or whatever, like the shift would be over at 11, final customer might leave 11, 15, 11, 20, shut everything down. You're out by, you know, maybe midnight. And then like everyone would invariably go to somebody's house and get fucking trashed. Right.
0: Right. Did anyone ever fuck at work?
1: Probably. I mean, not like at work, right. but they were like work couples.
0: Right. You know? Right. Okay.
1: Um, I mean, it maybe happened. And I, again, I don't know what happened in that bathroom besides drug dealing <laughs> and like hungover vomiting, but like, I'm sure that probably happened at some point. Right. I'm sure it probably did too. Wouldn't surprise Have me. Have you ever
0: seen the movie Slackers with like Ryan Reynolds? And it's, it's like a movie about like working at like a, um, a, uh, a restaurant like Applebee's, like a local Applebee's. Oh, wait, 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 are you talking about waiting? or maybe it's called I thought it was called Slackers for some reason.
1: Well, I think there's a movie called Slackers, but there's a movie called Oh, maybe I am thinking of Waiting. There's a movie called Waiting. That and it's like Ryan a 90s
0: ni- and he's like he's like a server. Justin
1: Long Yeah, Justin Long's in it too. Yeah, yeah that's and, uh, what I talking about. Uh, Dane okay, Cook waiting. was in it. Yep, yeah. yep.
0: Yep, <laughs> Dane Cook is like a is like a cook in the back.
1: Dude, there were many aspects about that movie that were very That's accurate. what I
0: think. Like like yeah. whatever I think about working at like a crazy fucking restaurant, I think of like that movie.
1: Right? Yeah. So, yeah, totally.
0: But yeah, good good times. I'm glad. Glad, glad I don't live that life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I have not eaten at an olive garden since I worked there, and I haven't worked there since 2013.
0: Yeah. You probably, probably, there's no reason to go to an olive garden. And like,
1: I, you know, I'll be honest, I, I saw how the sausage was made, um, <laughs> <laughs> literally, and um, it, it was honestly a very clean operation, like yeah. solid food, like their sauces and shit were homemade, their soups were homemade, like not a bad operation, like I, I don't eat there now because like I ever saw anything in the food right. that grossed me out or anything like that. Um, well, I just like, don't like, if I want Italian food, it's so low on my list. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It Like if I'm in like, you know, Chattahoochee Scucci, Indiana, and there's <laughs> nothing else, I'll get some OG.
0: Right. You know? Yeah. Or some Fazoli's or, or yeah. like some, some shit like that. Well, Fazoli's
1: is like, that's the thing about Fazoli's though. It's, it's on par with OG, but costs yeah. half as much. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it,
0: Fazoli's is also still a, cause we had a, co-worker that loved fazoli's so i went to <laughs> i went to fazoli's quite a bit when i worked at yeah you know yeah the henry and <laughs> and uh th- the food there for fast food was kind of expensive right like compared to like getting like a number two at mcdonald's or something like well
1: even that's gone up a lot in burgers, right but, yeah
0: you know. it, ha- it totally has but yeah yeah i don't i don't no, no thanks not trying not trying to eat at, the, at those places
1: i just like i don't want fast food very often
0: you know, like I feel like f- shit afterwards. Yeah. It's, it's just, like a it's hangover. Not that good, you know, yeah, like it's it, not
1: like for me, like the kind of like low end fast food that I do anymore is like Chipotle.
0: Yeah. You know, and or it's like I, I don't Chipotle is like not super low end in my opinion. No, I
1: mean, it's good. Like it's decent, you know, it's like it's pretty like, healthy too. But it's like, you know, to go fast food. Kind right. Of. Like, right. Yeah. Like I don't, I, I did go through a McDonald's like recently and like, and we will go through McDonald's sometimes on like a road trip. Right. But like I probably yeah. McDonald's two or three times a year
0: it's like a hangover dude it's like you've, you eat it and you immediately it, it tastes great it's like getting drunk it tastes <laughs> great had tons of fun you know right? your, your 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 dopamine and whatever else the fuck those you know kind of chemicals that the, right? that fast food triggers is like going crazy and then you know you wake up out of the haze of you know fast food and you just feel awful like oh yeah god awful
1: well, you, like, have to sleep the rest of You have to sleep you know? the rest. It's just yeah. like a fucking hangover, right. dude. It's like a faster
0: right. hangover.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's terrible. <laughs> like, you start getting the McGurgles, you know? <laughs> McGurgles. Just get a little McGassy. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not a good experience. And, like, Taco Bell's the same way, too. Like, I haven't had yeah. Taco Bell sober since I was, like, legally able to not be sober. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And, um... There's good reason for that. And like, and when you drink, when you eat Taco Bell drunk, it's like, you're just doubling down on the hangover.
0: Yeah. You're yeah. doubling down on the hangover. You're doubling down on the, on the, on the bathroom time. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like it yeah might, that's it, true.
0: It might come, it could come out either way when it gets yeah. down to that. Yeah. I my, mean, my favorite recent Taco Bell story is like, I came home from, <laughs> from a, from a night out, Ubered home and then postmated some Taco Bell because like it didn't have my car. Right. I was super hungry. Fell asleep on the couch mm-hmm. before it got there. <laughs> so I woke up yep. to like a $30 bag of Taco Bell on my front porch at like 530 <laughs> in the morning. I'm just like got enough, like
1: three Mexican pizzas yeah, and exactly. like two chalupas. Right, and right. And I just half like half a lo- dozen tacos. Looked
0: at it and threw it away. And I was like, might as this, might as well have just lit in a $20 bill on fire.
1: You know, you probably could have eaten it. Like oh, that bad. food's probably shelf stable for a
0: couple of weeks. It probably <laughs> is. But like it probably, again, already, you know. Went, fell asleep at 1 a.m. But yeah, when up at you're like hung
1: over too, you look at that and you're like, pfft.
0: yeah, you need like a big greasy plate of eggs and yeah. gravy and oh, fucking yeah.
1: some B and G, some fried some, eggs, some
0: potatoes or something. Oh yeah. Like you yeah, can't okay. have, you can't have Taco Bell. Have you ever had Taco Bell breakfast? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> I've never, I've never had it before. Oh,
1: it's so bad. Yeah, it looks,
0: it looks terrible.
1: I mean, I, I, like we went, okay, so we were one morning just like let's go get some shitty greasy fast food breakfast and um we like drove by like a burger king and they've got an okay breakfast and the line was fucking stupid so right we looked right next door there's a taco bell and there's like no line so i'm like let's give it a try (laughs) and uh i look on the menu and i'm like okay this can't be that bad like breakfast burritos are fucking awesome breakfast tacos are great you know, huevos rancheros are awesome. Right. Like tree zone egg. Like there's a, a bunch of different Mexican like breakfast dishes that are delicious. And like, I'm like thinking, okay, they've got tortillas. They've got scrambled eggs. Got some like sausage cheese. Can't go wrong. Right. right. Pretty simple. Managed to so fuck it up. I don't, I don't know how, but it's like, it's just, it's just it was just gross. It was like greasy. It was like flavorless. I don't know. It was not, I was not impressed. I was like, I ordered something so simple. It was like literally like a sausage, egg and cheese burrito. And I was like. M- pe- McDonald's, rebuke. like, breakfast burrito has you guys beat by a mile.
0: McDonald's breakfast is not that bad. Like, again, it's another thing. You eat it and you feel like shit in 20 minutes, but, like, yeah. it's actually. But it tastes great, It tastes down. great. Yeah. It tastes great. I,
1: I love a sausage McMuffin once in a while.
0: Uh, a, a sausage McMuffin, McGriddle.
1: Oh, the McGriddle's great. McGriddle's pretty fun. Yeah. 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 It's got, like, those little sticky beads of syrup all right, throughout, you right? Know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. God, that's, like, a great way to get cancer, probably. Yeah. Like, so fast.
1: Or some substance that's. Almost, but not entirely, unlike syrup.
0: Right, you end up with diabetes by the time you're done with it. Yeah, yeah, not not good.
1: Not good at all. So, speaking <laughs> of not good, speaking of not good, <laughs> speaking of not about about good lot at, at things all. Things that
0: are not good.
1: That's right. I mean, we talk about things that are even more harmful to your person than Taco Bell. Than Taco Bell, <laughs> when
0: you're fucking hammered.
1: I mean, you know, that's a great analogy, right? Like the, the information diet most people have these days is like it, equivalent to like eating nothing but
0: fast food. Fast food all the time. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I, that's what getting. And you get like
1: the brain diabetes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Di- brain diabetes, diabetes. That's like, that's, that's, we just, we just discovered that. Right. Or just named it.
1: Yep. Or it's you get around. like the, I don't know, the, the brain, um, acid reflux. Yeah. And And, um, I don't know, the gastrointestinal upset. (laughs) It's not, yeah.
0: Get brain rot. (laughs) That's for sure. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. So yeah, speaking of not good, the, uh, the great reset.
0: Great reset. Coming soon.
1: Great reset. Hit the big red reset button.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just sitting there in Davos, Switzerland for you to just punch.
1: Well, you go there and you try to punch and then it actually turns out you needed like a paperclip right. to unfold and stick in the reset hole. Right, you know? right. So they're working on that right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, I know you were going to like maybe pull up a page from. Yeah, so and just like, we've talked about the
0: Great Reset like a couple of right, times, right? right? And I think what we want to do is just kind of give listeners maybe a, a quick, you know, run through of like what the Great Reset is. So maybe maybe before we talk about the Great Reset, let's talk about sure. the group that's coming up with the Great Reset. Right. So that is the World Economic Forum, right? So the World Economic Forum is basically just a group of people that get together that are finance, government, um, business from across the from from across the, the world. I think it's like three th- yeah three thousand leaders, as it says here on on Wiki, um, to get together to talk about politics. They talk about the the world economy. Um, all kinds of different global issues um, are discussed at this World Economic Forum. So, the Great Reset is something that's like pretty new, right? Like, the, when, when did this? I know it's new
1: if you haven't been listening to Alex Jones for years. <laughs> <show. laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Alex Jones talks about like. Uh, Bilderberg like right that's and that still happens which is like basically another world economic yeah, Forum. yeah and like meeting. the Venn
1: diagram of those like two groups probably mostly well overlap. I think like
0: you, you probably get invited to the world economic forum first and then like if you are slimy enough then you get upgraded to Bilderberg where like, you
1: like pass all of the initiation like rituals
0: d- like you, you're, you're just you're just a pleb if you go to the world economic forum <sighs> if you go to a fucking what is it Bohemian Grove a couple times then you know fuck a couple animals, then you get to go right. to... Then you can go to Bilderberg. Then you can go to Bilderberg, right? And then Bilderberg's where they set the agenda, then it comes down to the World Economic Forum and and so forth. We have the, the Great Reset. Right. So um, the Great Reset... So this is, from what I understand, this started with COVID, right? And the Great Reset is just an idea that we need to use COVID-19 to basically change... To kind of... They don't call it like a, like a one-world government. It's not like something that's called a new world order like that, like they're, you know, we've had conspiracies about that. Well, the I mean, they,
1: they, I've seen those words on their site though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: It's, so it's like the same, it's not called that, but it's, like, it's, that, like but it's lower the same It's like lowercase, right? Like <laughs> lowercase. It's a new world order. It's not, you know, Alex Jones esque. the great, right. You know, the new world order. Right. Um,
0: but this came, this, I mean, you know, just like every um, good, good government um, bureaucrat, you know, never led a good, crisis go to waste. Well,
1: and isn't it funny? Like it used to kind of be shameful to exploit crises, you right. know, but now it's just like right on the website. Right. We're yeah, going to exploit exactly. this crisis to take away private property from everyone but us.
0: Right. Exactly. So COVID-19 crisis and the political, economic and social disruptions that it has caused is fundamentally changing the tradi- traditional context for decision-making.
1: Just funny. Cause it's like the, like the social disruptions that this group of people have caused right. it, to be a policy. Yeah, right.
0: exactly. Exactly. Um, the inconsistencies, inadequacies, and contradictions of multiple systems—from health and financial to energy and education—are more exposed than ever, amidst a global context of concern for lives, livelihoods, and the
1: planet. We don't like how unpredictable and messy a relatively free market is for our interests. Right.
0: right exactly. So, so the great, the, the, so we talked about this a couple times, right? The the great reset, this idea um, that that we that we've just covered here. So, I, I kind of wanted to give the listeners, like, maybe just a little bit of background on that. Um, this is something that's kind of gaining traction. Like I haven't heard, and I don't watch a whole lot of like, um, mainstream news, mm-hmm. right. I haven't heard like, and the, t- <laughs> yeah, right. The times that I have watched, you know, uh, a Fox news or turned on CNN or MSNBC, I don't hear them talking about this a lot. Like on there, like the, the, the journalists aren't necessarily covering the great reset directly as a, as a piece of news. But I have Tucker heard, Carlson has t- Tucker Carlson may have, um, but i have heard politicians talk about it um especially um you know positively on the left negatively for the most part on the right right um so yeah and one of those
1: people spearheading it from the political perspective is our incoming head of the department of agriculture i think john Kerry isn't he being appointed to like yeah head of the department of ag um
0: actually i think he's So what I saw in an article from the spectator um, was that he's a climate envoy head. Oh, it's like some, it's some, it's some new uh, kind of, um, that's right. It's a new position that, that it was
1: Rahm Emanuel that was going to be under ag or something, but
0: that would not surprise. What the fuck does that guy know about agriculture? Wasn't he the, he, that's the former mayor of Chicago, right? What the fuck
1: does that guy know? That, that guy like has corrupt connections and that's all that matters. But, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, he's, he's wonderful at corruption.
1: Did, did you see, speaking of which, there's a, you could probably find a video, Jimmy Dore covered it, but like they invited some like Democrat senator, I think, on to talk about the appointment of Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> and he was like, he started talking about how Rahm Emanuel was like not good and how he was like involved in this conspiracy to like cover up the murder of, I can't remember the name.
0: Uh, Laquan McDonald. Yes, because that was that was a police murder or er, yes. police shooting in in Chicago, right?
1: Yeah, and CNN cut the fucking feed of the guy they were interviewing,
0: like while they were talking. Cut about the it? feed. Oh, dude,
1: that's they cut the feed.
0: That's not that's not surprising, but yeah, it's like, not surprising, but terrible, it, but amazing, right?
1: Uh, anyway, so. so so yeah, so you got John Jim not yeah, John, <laughs> Jim Carrey, John Carrey, <laughs> Jim Carrey would, a, would do a much better job, but um, yes,
0: a hundred percent.
1: You got John Kerry coming in, who's like, like you look up like the definition. Uh, you look up "elite" in the dictionary, and you see a picture, a picture of, of his like face. John Kerry's like fucking hollow horse face. Right. <laughs> I fucking hate that guy.
0: But I I don't like that guy either. Yeah, you see his fucking hollow horse face and Biden's masked face, Jesus. shaking hands. I mean, it's just city. like,
1: you know, they they've like found a way to basically rebuild the Obama admin. Right and like all the neoliberals are you know jerking each other off about how great it is but right anyway um so yeah go ahead
0: no 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 i wasn't necessarily going to say anything i i so so i think the reason that we wanted to kind of bring up the great reset was to just kind of give the the background to and i think you kind of wanted to talk about like what the great reset means for the people that are kind of trying to push this idea correct
1: yeah so like last week we talked a little bit about um and we referenced that that interview with um, Eric Weinstein and Brett Easton Ellis, where they talked um, kind of about, and I mean, this was again from pre, pre COVID. Right. So presumably this is before this group knew that they had this crisis. They were about to be able to exploit. Right. 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 Um, But he mentioned Davos and he mentioned, you know, he basically referenced the world economic forum and he says, look, every year all the kind of like political elite get together and they, they figure out, what's the next way to make money, right? What's the next scheme that we can figure out to make money. Right. Um, and, and this year, and this is a, a big momentous one, right? They've kind of gone all out and they've said, well, this is, this is, the, the time is now we got to jump on it. We've got this major crisis we can exploit biggest crisis since nine eleven, 11, which is the last time, you know, that a major thing was used to exploit um, the population. Right. And so, you know, so I, I think it has all, all the kind of hallmarks of, of a classic kind of money-making scheme of a a classic, you know, global corporatist upward transfer of wealth scheme. Um, so as such, it's going to be sold to the public and it's, it's being sold to the public by, by people like John Kerry as like, this is going to fix all these problems. It's going to, um, create a safer world a more equitable world. There's going to be more equality, right? All these kinds of, all these kinds of things, um, that at face value, most people would say, well, yeah, those are all virtuous, right? Everyone right. wants more equality, I think. Everyone wants more safety, Of course. right? I mean, you know, barring the trade-offs, right? Um, and, and you know, even if you're looking at it optimistically and, and not cynically, um, there's a there's a Thomas Sowell quote where he says something like, there's no such thing as um, solutions, there's only trade-offs, right? Right, right. So even optimistically, <laughs> right? And it's so like we can get into is this something that is being done um, out of kind of a perhaps misguided philanthropy, right? Or is it, is it of malintent, right? right. Um, so even if it's of good intent, you're going to have these, these trade-offs, right? So what are those trade-offs? Uh, for the most part, that trade is going to be like liberty and freedom of choice in you know several several arenas potentially. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's kind of interesting that – just kind of continuing along that theme that we talked about from, from last week. Um, this is kind of a new, this is kind of the big new example of that. And it's, it's amazing because it, it, all the things we talked about last week, you know, climate change, COVID, right. Healthcare inequality, whatever. It's going to be the stroke of pen that fixes all of these things. Right. Um, at least that's just similar,
0: similar for the listeners. Like when we talk about nine eleven, this is similar to how the Patriot Act was going to make us so much safer. Right. Right, it was going to protect us from any type of terrorist attack possible for the government being able to look at everything, all your emails, your fucking what you check out at the library, right? um, You know, and and further text messages, who you talk to, for how long, when, right? Yeah. Um, So same, 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 same idea as that,
1: right? And so, you know, there's there's kind of this like I was just thinking on this idea, right, of these trade offs, Um, and 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 we in the United States everybody does but but we in the United States have kind of our own decision calculus for what those trade-offs should look like and kind of the original inception of the country the trade-off you know we erred on the side of liberty right, right? you've got a classic um, god I think it's a Ben Franklin quote where he says you know those who would sacrifice liberty for safety um, will will typically end up with neither right, right. Um, and that's how that trade-off has I think been proven to work time and time again through history um but when you start looking at like at, at some of those, at some of those trade-offs, you, you start getting into, like, how do we not learn these lessons? Right. Yeah. How do, like, I think a lot of people who have, have really studied history can see that that path has been
0: taken bad, many times. Right. Yeah.
1: And every time it's been taken, it's been bad. Right. Well, the, the, the red herring is, is kind of technology. Right. And so I was thinking about it because like I heard, okay, so you remember like the classic argument, from a bunch of people on the left about gun control. when they would say, well, you know, when the second amendment was written, all they had was like muskets. Right. They, they didn't, didn't have nuclear bombs and MRAPs and bazookas and whatever else. Right. right. Or assault weapons. Right. Which is a complete bullshit term. But, right. Um, they didn't have the AR-15, right? They had the musket. And, and so the argument is always, well, technology fundamentally changes that. And, The kind of funny thing is, like, you would see people kind of counter that argument by saying, okay, well, what about freedom of speech, right? And they'd say, does the fact that we have the internet now and it's not just the printing press alter freedom of speech? And and not that long ago, I mean, like, less than 10 years ago, the classic liberal position would be to say, like, well, it would be to kind of, like, try to argue their way out of that and say that they're not, you know, it's not a good comparison, right? Because they would ultimately agree that the internet doesn't change, doesn't fundamentally change freedom of speech. Right. Um, the funny thing is now we're seeing we're seeing that change. Right. right. <laughs> You've got people like John Brennan and James Clapper and uh who, who you know now are are heavily involved in private industry, right, um, particularly right. in Silicon Valley, who are arguing, well, you know what, the internet fundamentally changes the equation. You know, back when they had the the First Amendment, well, gee golly, that was just the printing press. They didn't have the internets, you know? Right. <laughs> and um it's just amazing to me how fast. <clears throat> how fast that, that line of thinking has shifted. Right, right, right. From, like, used to that was, like, kind of a, a an ace in the whole argument against, like, the, uh, or, or, or thing that was often debated as, like, a comparison to the gun control debate, right? Um, so, I don't know. I, I would posit that, you know, technology doesn't change either of those things. Right. You know, and I, I think that... Um, the advent of technology is used by power structures to scare people into believing that those things are are, are fundamentally different when right, they're not, right.
0: right? Well, it appears to have worked, right? Because, like, James Clapper, John Brennan, those are all, like, James Clapper was what, like, head of the CIA? Or NSA. NSA. And
1: Brennan was CIA.
0: And Brennan was CIA. So those are, like, government um And James know, Clapper is now at fucking CN- Amazon. Oh, he's at Amazon? He's yeah. on, he's a CNN, like, security uh, or, analyst too, right? Oh maybe I'm Cla- Clapper is. Cla-
1: maybe Clapper is at CNN. Maybe, who's well, at he,
0: Amazon? So somebody's at Amazon. He, he might he might also he might have both. I wouldn't be surprised. I might have to look that up. Um, anyway. Well, but like so that's not that to me, that's not that surprising that they would push the narrative that, you know, the internet and this new con- communication medium changes sure. the game. And the con- and our laws should be changed. Otherwise, that that doesn't surprise me. Governments are always going to try to well, get you know, it's kind of
1: like just not to interrupt you, but that there's kind of an element of that I think in the climate change argument too, right? Uh, an element of of the like, well, technology is different now, right? We have oh, jets, yeah. and we have ships and we have right, right. you know um, cattle, what a, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's a new technology, a bunch, yeah, right? <laughs> farting cattle. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I, I think that's that's interesting because it's like that's an, that's kind of another example of one of those you know classic right. like real problem turned into a money-making scheme example.
0: Right, exactly. Well, I, th- th- what I was going to comment on is that, um, you know, you, you were making the point that the left, you know, generally defended free speech. Um, right. You know, maybe they didn't view the Second Amendment the same way, but whatever, they still would, they, they would, you know, if we're just looking at the First Amendment, they used to, you know, say, like, yeah, we support that no matter what. But that's changed, right? There's a lot of on the left. And, you know, it's always, like, how much do you believe, like, how much of Twitter is, like, you know, like, analogous to real life, like, you know what I mean? And like what people think. Um, and I think it like kind of, it kind of like goes back and forth, but there are, it does seem like there's a lot of people on the left that are very much okay with censorship. Yeah.
1: Because they don't think it'll come after them.
0: Right. Cause they don't think it'll come after them. So right. they want to censor people that they don't agree with. And, um, it seems like there's a lot of just everyday folks that, 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 um, on the left that kind of like feel that way well, now too. Like to- So in, 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 in effect, it worked. What James Clapper and John Brennan were trying to to push down people's throats. I mean, a lot of people bought it, and not just they, them. They but did,
1: and and part of it has, is just part of the political shift we're living through, right. Right, where where kind of the new, the new mainstream, the new right wing. I remember back when like left wing was kind of like the counterculture, right?
0: Exactly, like yeah. fucking
1: no FX and bad religion. Like they were kind of espousing like left wing philosophy right. in, yeah. in their yeah. in their you know punk music, and I, I think that like being right is kind of the new counterculture. It,
0: it certainly, it certainly feels that way.
1: And so you've got this like shift, right? And so back then, I mean, there, there were censorship attempts coming from the right and there have been for years, right? Right. The religious right has wanted to ban books. Um, they've had record burnings and book burnings and all this crazy kooky shit. Um, but now, you know, and, and it was kind of, you know, like the ACLU would come in and, and they would be, champions of free speech right now they're not even right like right. there's still some like you know the aclu is not completely monolithic like there's still attorneys in the aclu that believe in free speech but there's right. plenty that don't um including some of like the the leaders of the aclu where, th- where they're saying you know they're again using like the technology argument they're kind of saying well the game has changed you know it's different um free speech is an absolute we need to rethink what free speech looks like we right. need public private partnerships you know all this um you know different bullshit right um but free speech is ultimately a minor, minoritarian right, right? Like it's not, free speech is not important to protect to preserve majority consensus. Right, right? yeah. And so it's like things like even COVID related shit. Like I, I can understand, like I have people who I know who are okay with censoring of what they would, what they perceive as disinformation about COVID, which can right. include literal physicians and up to and including like people who are professors of public health at Yale <laughs> being censored because they're not towing kind of the mainstream kind of um, narrative. But there's those that see that as that's okay because it's, you know, for, for safety's sake. Right. 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 And, and they also like, and like, again, it's the majority of people, I think don't believe any fringe kind of like things about COVID. I think the vast majority of people, Pretty much take it seriously.
2: Right. You, know, you get in some I,
1: different areas where the demographics are a little different. And there's sure. some people that don't and all that good stuff. But like the people, like the people who are wanting to go on there and post like legitimate disinformation about COVID. It's a very small minority. Right. And, and right. that small minority is only amplified by algorithms, which we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but you know, ultimately you have to protect those minoritarian rights because while they're the dissenters now, and maybe they're on the wrong side of history, there's been many times in history where the dissenters have been on the right side of history. Right. Right. And, and you don't know when it's going to be
0: at right? this point in time.
1: Right. And, yeah. and and so it's not that like, like the ACLU rose to prominence by, from a huge, very high profile case where they were defending the right of neo-Nazis to like walk through a predominantly, like to march through a predominantly Jewish area of, of the country, um, like during a Jewish holiday.
0: Yeah. And And there were like Jewish lawyers in the ACLU that like found it important to defend defend their right to do that.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so, like, it's like you have to defend the right of someone to have kooky views and share them with people.
0: That way, when it doesn't come for you, when you, when someone is like attacking your views and
1: right. And the thing is, like, the thing is, like, the left has this very like dysfunctional short-term memory, right? Right, where it's not like I can remember, but it was not that long ago that like more leftist views were. minority view that was trying to be censored. And, and again, it's, and and it's still the case, right? And we'll talk about this a little bit too, but like, you've got this kind of progressive faction of the Democrat party and you've got a lot of people who are Democrat supporters who would identify as progressive. And if you think that your progressive views that are going to be at odds with power structures, like the healthcare industry, or like the military industrial complex, if you think that those are going to be tolerated, you're foolish. Yeah. Right. Um. So you know the other the other thing I would note that's interesting, and and we're seeing this with the Great Reset, um, but we're seeing this just in kind of like the the, the current zeitgeist, right? Is this notion of equality, um, and and you know we we kind of basically like there you can get into some very kind of deep technical arguments about like school systems and redlining and school districting and and that's nuanced and there's legitimate conversation to be had there, but by and large, by and large, everyone is equal under the law now. And like by and large, we've provided equality of, of opportunity. Well, now the new focus is like equality of outcome, right? Right. Um. So, we're used to things like the Patriot Act, like the the whole thing was just about safety. Well, now it's safety and equality. Right. Right. Like you hear, you saw these articles about how COVID is disproportionately affecting Black people, or how global warming is somehow disproportionately affecting Black people, and so it's like, okay, well, to me, if there's a problem that is like going to harm the safety of human beings. It doesn't matter what color they are. Right, right. Right. But that's gotta be like a new, a new part of the narrative. Right. Is this kind of like, is this equality component of it? Because that enables, if you can get popular consensus behind that, that enables even further, um, more invasive authoritarian controls, um, into the economy. Right. 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 Um, so, it, you know, it's just, it's just kind of funny. Like I, technology and especially the internet, right. And, and telecommunications were, were supposed to kind of be like a great equalizer. They're supposed to be able to give everyone a voice. Right. Right. They're supposed to be able to give everyone a platform. No matter how kooky you are or how unique you are. I mean, again, it's not that long ago that people who are gay had to be worried about being censored. Right. 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 Um, And it's a really good thing now that they, that they don't as much. Um, But again, it's like don't have such short term memory. Right. Right. That could change again too,
0: right? Well, I um, think I think social media makes it really easy to have um, short-term memory loss when it comes to like those kind of things. Because, like, if you're if you're a person who get who spends a lot of time, you're politically active, spends a lot of time on Twitter. Like the, I mean, the Twitter. I mean, just by watching, you know, the um, the social dilemma. Like those 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 apps are designed to give you like to to tap into your reward systems whenever you're interacting with them, which means like you're you're going to play along with whatever is the 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 narrative that's going on on Twitter, whatever's popular because if you post stuff like that, you get a right. bunch of likes. you know, you're encouraged to continue to do that. Yeah, you're not encouraged to think back to like, what are the legal precedents in like past legislation and things that have happened because of that that are similar to the kind of things that are being passed and talked about
1: now. Well, and you even see that on LinkedIn, right?
0: Right? Like yeah. you see right.
1: all kinds of climbers on LinkedIn who, they don't give a fuck about any of the issues that they're, that they're posting about or sharing articles about or whatever. Like deep down, they really don't. They know that it's like part of crafting their profile, right. And crafting their persona, right. right? Like Instagram is all about the persona and the persona is oftentimes very different from the individual behind it. And I think that the same thing happens in the professional world where you see people putting forward a persona of like, um, you'll see some like very vague posts on LinkedIn about like, we need more women and persons of color in this industry. And simply focusing on diversity is not going to be enough. We also have to focus on equity and this, that, and the other. And it's just like, you've not offered anything. You've not said, you've not said, here's how we're going to do anything. Here's how anything's going to work. It's just, you know, it's just my quick thing to say I'm on the right side. Right. And to get popularity and to get likes. Right. And to get retweets. And, you know, I was like talking to Nikki this morning about like growing a podcast. And I kind of thought, you know, and, I, and like, you know, we're trying to grow from like three listeners to seven, you know, <laughs> trying to get like, you know, right. more than hundred percent growth here. Right. And, um, I, I kind of used to think like, I would think about any given topic that I might be interested in talking about and I would be like, oh, well shit. Um, Jimmy Dore's already talking about that. And Tucker Carlson's right, already right. talking about that. And Glenn Greenwald's already talking about that. And Tim Pool's already talking about that. And then I kind of like, like, I kind of like realized like, you know, I'm the biggest moron here because like everyone else <laughs> realized a long time ago that that's why you talk about it. Right. Cause everyone's talking about right, it. Right. Right. You got to get in on that. Um, you know, and and so now I don't see that as like a problem, right? Like we're talking about things here that others are out there talking.
0: Right, about, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, that was, um, that's somewhat of a, of a revelation and that's cause it's, cause that's how social media works and that's how people end up with these viewpoints that they, can't really intellectually defend. Right. But they can't really rationalize that, like, if you have a conversation with them, you realize they're a very thin veneer and that, like, there's not much behind that veneer. Right. right? Like, they just have shared a few things right, because they exactly. know it's, like, the right thing to think. Right. It's right think. Um, you know, and so it's it's just, it's a shame to see the same, like, it's, it's the same, but it's different. Right. Like, it's the same in the sense that safety has been used to exploit us for a long right. time. E- equality is kind of the new, the newer thing, and I mean and that's been done too, right? That's how you've gotten any kind of socialist type movements. Right. That's how you've gotten, arguably, how you've gotten populist type movements. Um, but we tend to think that like safety and equality are are like virtues, but they're not, right? Like they are, they're kind of more like the natural outcomes of systems that work effectively. And the the thing that's just perplexing about the Great Reset is, you see all of this kind of like we need to do all this because we need to fix equality and we need to make the world a safer place and stop climate change, which is a safety issue. Right. Uh, Or, or some would argue is an equality issue. Sure. Um, And all of this is being launched at a time where by every single conceivable measure, human beings are the most safe and prosperous and relatively equal that we've really been in history. Right. Like, right in the United States now there's, there is some inequality and, and I'll be the first to admit, I actually do think it's a problem. Right. And
0: I, well, it's, I think the biggest problem is, is, is wealth inequality, right. Or income in, in, inequality, I think whatever, this is whatever. There's the biggest inequality problem that we have. And that's, it spans, and that's what like, I mean in that case. Yeah. Right. right. Cause it spans across races. It spans across you know, sure. genders and whatever else. Like, right. Like,
1: and, I, and the problem, and, and the problem I have with it isn't the problem in itself. It's how that it's what happens when that interact, interacts with the political. Right. 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 Like, I, I don't necessarily care. Like if someone is taken care of and they've got basic food, shelter, safety net kind of shit, I don't really care that someone else makes a million times as much as them. Sure. I really don't. I do care when that person who makes a million times as much has a million times as much political influence and can use that political influence to steal from the person with less influence, right. which is what we see happen all the time. Right. Exactly. Um. And so I've kind of come around on that, that inequality thing. Like, the like libertarian kind of wing in my brain wants to think like, listen, it's okay because a rising tide raises all ships. Right. And I think that historically that's been very true. Again, I, I do believe we live, even though there's some significant inequality now, like with respect to kind of a very short window of history,
0: mm-hmm.
1: overall, it's one of the most equal, equal times right, you know, yes. ever in existence. Absolutely.
0: A hundred percent.
1: And so it, it's just amazing how like we live in this world where, by every conceivable measure. And, and like Steven Pinker has a book about this. Like he, he literally wrote a book. Um,
0: it's something like it's the, human progress or, uh, well, there's, maybe that's the subtitle.
1: There's, um, better angels of our nature, which is not about, that's not the one I think it's in. There's, it's, um, not enlightenment now, or maybe it is enlightenment now, but he talks about how like, um, look, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about, mm-hmm. about where we are right, right now. Right. Right. You know, and, and he, and he's very progressive. He's not saying like, stop trying to make things better. But like, stop trying to tear down the whole fucking system and pretend like that it's that bad. But you have to have these kinds of Davos types convincing you that it's that bad, so right. that you, they so that they have to convince you that it's a drastic problem, so that you will be okay with drastic measures. Right. Um. And so, you, you know, it's kind of like my my like little cheesy anecdote here, right? Is like animals in cages, right? Are all safe? Right. They're all equal do you consider an animal in a cage to be living a meaningful life?
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Probably I not. Mean,
1: right. I mean, I don't know. So like, to how far can that go? How authoritarian can we get? How overreaching can policies get? Economic control get central planning get right before it gets to a point that we're animals in cages.
0: Right. When I, and I think it's, I, I, I think it's important to, to talk about, um, like why? Like why a really rich person, a really powerful person, somebody like a? Um, oh, I don't want I don't know if Jeff Bezos is a part of this, but I just like kind of assume that he is. Like the world oh, economic forum. Like why? Like why would? I think it's important to to talk about like why somebody, a company, or uh, you know people at the top of companies like that want something like this. They want equality of opportunity, right? Like I, I think it's important to kind of talk about. Well, they that. want a quality, like, outcome, or, sorry, yes, a quality of outcome. I'm right, sorry. Yes, equality right. quality of outcome. Yes. Because because in the end. They, they, they don't necessarily care about folks like us, right? But they know if, they, if, if, if the quality of outcome is that we're going to be buying products from them and they're the only company that provides these products, then they have total control.
1: Right. Right. And, Isn't that what you would say? Well, and so like, you know, there's this really squirrely thing happening now and Jimmy Dores talked about this where all these little local businesses are shut down. You can't go, in, in a lot of cities, you can't go to the little right. local uh, sporting goods store. Right. But you can still buy shit on Amazon and like it's dangerous for three people to go work the sporting goods store. One person in the warehouse, one person running the register and an accountant upstairs. Right. That's dangerous. But twelve hundred people working in Amazon distribution center. That's fine.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: You know. And so like while um, well, like 68 percent of Americans basically said that, they, that their financial situation got worse. Right. You know, many much worse than others. Bezos officially, as I understand it, became the wealthiest human being in the history of civilization. Mm-hmm. Like that's no accident.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You know? and, for, and for that to happen during a time when so many people, like you said, are in a worse financial position or had to shut down their business completely like that. That's it's, it's not criminal, but it feels criminal.
1: I think it is criminal personally, but
0: well, like in terms of like,
1: I think it's criminal corruption.
0: Yeah. I mean, is, is Bezos is Amazon, like with state and local governments influencing them to do lockdowns and whatnot. You think, oh, you think absolutely. So? Yeah. You think
1: I so? mean, look, every, every tech ever since the department of justice lawsuit against Microsoft, every tech company learned the lesson from that and learned very early on to play politics, to get in with Congress and to get on the right side of it. Right. And again, like that's why we're seeing the Biden cabinet filled now with ex- executives from Facebook, Amazon, Google, et cetera. Right. Right. They did their part now the, leading rewarded. into it, yeah. right? They did their part. They suppressed information. They censored. Um, and, and now they're getting, you know, the ability to be involved in the creation of the legislation that's supposed to regulate them and keep them in check and keep them from becoming this oppressive force. Right. Um, and
0: something like this, like the Great Reset and in, in, in how it's talked about, gives these companies just like absolute power and, abs- and absolute economic authority.
1: Well, they're... They're the ones who are going to come up with what those policies need to be, and and a lot of those policies are going to be things around, say, you know, energy, right? Like right. that's a big focus of the great of the Great Reset. But again, how's it going to work? It's going to work where all this regulation is going to be created where the existing companies that have the existing wealth can um, afford to comply with the regulation, and and will already be doing what they need to be doing before the regulation is passed. Yeah, and you and you've created significant barriers of entry right?
0: to like, yeah, those and,
1: those. And that's why, you know, again, why we're calling the episode, the great pulling up of the ladder, right? Cause the great reset is, is basically you've got all these people who have gotten very, very wealthy. Um, some of them are old money. I mean, like literally you've got Rothschilds who are involved in right, it. That's old right. money. Um, but then you've got a lot of new money, right? You've got, um, you've got Bezos involved. You got Zuckerberg involved. Um, you've got, you know, kind of semi old money, relatively new money. Um, like, like, the Heinz family via John Kerry, right? And a lot of these companies, particularly in the tech sector, they made their money by disrupting mm-hmm. industries. Right. And 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 these people are smart. They they understand economics. They realize that it's not that hard to disrupt any industry. And and the reason, and the biggest reason why regulations are created, in my opinion, are to prevent that disruption. So right. these guys have learned. They disrupted. They came in. They got their share of the pie. And now they're.
0: How do putting I in policies this from happening to pull again. up the ladder, yeah, right, right,
1: right. Um, so you know, you know, again, like I think that any reasonable human being should be very, very skeptical. Like anyone who's ever like paid ten minutes of attention in any of the history classes you've ever taken, like through even through a shitty public education, right? Like you should be very skeptical when a lot of the the most prominent go- global wealth and power structures on the planet are all coming together to do something.
0: Right. Yeah. You know? And what it's like, have you ever thought that these people had your best interest in mind? Like, did you at any point think that these people did? Like, why would they now? Right. Did right. they just have some change of heart, some change of, you know, like, uh, uh, of, they of,
1: don't. I mean, like, Je- like Zuckerberg literally called his users fucking stupid. Yeah. And they are, by the way. Right. If you're on <laughs> Facebook, you're fucking stupid. Sorry. <laughs> you are.
0: This clip coming out on Facebook tomorrow.
1: Right. I'm going to (laughs) make money off of it, but you're still fucking stupid (laughs) for giving me your money. Actually, we won't make money because we have three listeners. Right. (laughs) In theory, we could, um, but, but yeah, I mean like, so, so you've got, you've got people who are involved in the Chinese communist party who are involved in Davos. You've got, um, key us plutocrats like John Kerry. You've got all of the multinational banks. You've got, you know, the, the IMF, the world (laughs) economic forum, um, you've got all the biggest multinational corporations. And now recently, uh, Pope Francis has has endorsed the Great Reset, right? And, and and look, if you think the Catholic Church is anything but another massive power structure, you should examine that a little bit. Right, right? yeah.
0: It's like, just a power structure from a different like, method.
1: I have to think that like they're like, well, hey, you know what? The values that this movement purports are values that we also like. Right, we want equality. Um, that's good. Safety's is good. Um, and and I think it's like we've got power. We need to get in and be part of the conversation while the pie is still being divided up. Right. You know, like we don't want to not be part of the conversation and not get any of the pie. Right. And that pie isn't necessarily just just money, but it's it's influence and it's um, it's it's the culture. Right. Um, so. You know, I think clearly the real reason why these very, very, very entrenched power structures are coming forward to do this is because they want to pull up the ladder behind them, right? They want to say, look, we've reached this place of domination. We've got all the key control in the places we need it. We've got key control in the United States government. We've got key control in the CCP. We've got key control of, of one of the largest religions in the globe with over a billion followers, the Catholic Church. We've got key personnel in all the big banks, in all the media. We're in a position where if we all come together under the guise of cooperating to help and be better and make mankind better, blah, blah, blah. We can we can dictate the way forward in such a way that it's going to benefit us. Right. Right? And it doesn't have to be quite as sinister as, like, we're going to throw everyone in cages and it's going to be, you know, FEMA a, camps. A, a boot stamping right. on the human face forever, right? right? But it is going to be the gradual confiscation of freedom. It's going to be the gradual confiscation property. of choice. It's going to be the gradual confiscation of property. I mean, their website, their, their website yeah, they lists have- that by 2030, you'll have no property and you'll be... It's happy, and that it? was an
0: article that was not even written on the World Economic Forum uh, website recently. That was like 2016. Whenever they, whenever that article came out, I'll see if I can. That was 2016. It. it was 2016. Oh, yeah, fuck! I thought if that I was can recent. Find that
1: real quick. Jesus Christ. Um. So, you know, like the other part of it is, like, what tools are they going to use to to accomplish this? Right. So, if this is indeed their goal, to, um, create a path forward where they can maintain the monopolies they have now. Then what are the tools that they're going to use? that'll be the next piece of the conversation, but go ahead with,
0: no, I was just going to say like that, that, that that article that you showed me, you showed this to me, how life could change in my city, the year 2030. This was November 11th, 2016. Wow. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to our city. Or should I say our city? (laughs) I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances. I don't own my own mind. No, it doesn't say that. But like that's <laughs> essentially like what this says. Right.
1: Well, you you, you wouldn't at that point. I mean, I mean,
0: I mean, what? So like, what like, what what about this sounds appealing to anybody?
1: I I don't know. I mean, people who read <clears throat> it probably sounds appealing to people who read Brave New World and didn't realize that like, that's it, a critique. It's a critique, yeah, right? You know, right. Like they're like, oh wow, you can just like fuck and take drugs all day. What a what a great place, right. what a great existence. You yeah, know?
0: I just think that's that 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 is crazy. Like it's it's very on the nose. They're not like trying to necessarily even like hide their intentions here, right? Um,
1: well, because they don't they don't need to, right? Like the new popular culture, the new popular consensus. We talked about this last time. Mm-hmm. It's moved away. We we've seen the last three decades of. Well, we've seen the last two decades. People, other people have seen more decades than that, of that transition from individualism to collectivism. Right. So now the, the zeitgeist well, it's is different.
0: Like, it's almost like a transition back to collectivism, right? Like in, in some ways. Um,
1: well, I said it's, it's from individualism to collectivism, right?
0: Right. Right. That, that's what it is now, right? Like in the current time. But that's, it's, a, it's almost a transition. I mean, before individualism, it was collective collectivism, right? If you look back at like, you know. Well,
1: well it was like there was tribalism well, at yeah, one point, right? Right. right. Um, I mean you've had lots of isms, but yeah, I'm sure. I mean there's been collectivist periods through human history for sure. Right, right. You know and there's other there's other species that are very collectivist. Right, right. Um, like like bees, right? Right. You know, bees will happily die to save the hive.
0: Right? Well, right, yeah, but they don't have much of a purpose other than that. They don't. Right. Or well, they're all genetic identicals. Right, right. right.
1: Like they're you know you're one of six thousand that were laid by the queen at once. Right. Um. Yeah. So. You know, this isn't like an exhaustive list, but I want to just talk about some of the things that um, I think we're seeing being employed that kind of have been related to changing that cult, changing our culture, changing that popular consensus um, and, and, and paving the way in terms of, you know, policy and influence to, to get there. Um, you know, so, so again, maybe this is, you, you know, like, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. 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 Um, Hayek wrote the book, the road to serfdom. And the point of his book at the highest level is that, look, the road to serfdom is not paved by people who are outright evil. It's paved by utopians, like people who think that we can achieve ultimate safety. We can achieve ultimate equality and that any measure that gets us there, you know, increasingly drastic measures become okay. Right. Because they're going to get us there. Right. Um, it's okay to suppress the verified Hunter Biden story, which is now, you know, uh, the, 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 the center of four federal investigations. Right. Because it's going to, it's going to, it's going to get rid of Trump. The ends always justify the means. Right. right. Um, from that kind of perspective of thinking. So, you know, some so, so may, I don't, maybe they feel some sense of duty to help maybe. but I think if they do, so I, I guess quick aside here. I think if they do feel a sense of duty to help, it's, it's not rooted in genuine love or compassion for their fellow human being. Right. It's, it's rooted largely in condescension. It's rooted in like, you're not capable of making these decisions for yourself. So we're so going to make these do decisions for you. For you yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and, and I kind of want to circle back to that in a, in a bit, but to like talk about those tools, like, so here's some of the things to like dive into a little bit further. Right. There's um, I think we're seeing a process of dismantling of the meritocracy Right. I think that like identity politics is a big part of that. Right. Um, we're seeing tighter and tighter and tighter control of the narrative, you know, not only through censorship, but also through political theater. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that too. Um, along those same lines, you're seeing the use of divisive algorithms to drive um, content consumption and prevent unification. Right you you want to point people out to sides right um and 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 further radicalize people toward these you know differing viewpoints that way like the 99.9% don't unify and, right. and realize yeah. they have a common enemy right. right um you know corporatist censorship um in addition to government censorship right the the um you've got this new kind of like field of marketing Um, it's not that new, right? Like psychology, human, human psychology, behavioral economics have always been part of marketing or have been for a while. Um, but marketing was kind of like, it used to be pointed at kind of influencing your behavior, but now it's kind of gone to the next step, which is, we don't just want to influence your behavior. We want to dictate your behavior. We want to make your behavior totally predictable. Um, and and in that regard and along those lines, we want to make sure that you are not able to achieve meaning in your life or content in your life.
0: Without this.
1: Outside of, with, without these things we want to market to you. Right. Um, whether those are drugs, right? Like um, whatever that one is that gave you um, Taint Rot that we were watching earlier.
0: Jaundice <laughs> John, John or something like that. Jaundice some th- th-
1: or something, yeah. yeah. Sounds like jaundice. It um, does,
0: some, yeah. Some-
1: whatever the fuck it was. Like we're watching football and, and you know, Common side effects may include pain of the gooch. <laughs> it
0: like, was like, yeah, or is infection of the gooch. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> infection between a, your genitals and anus.
0: This was a a this drug. Like a diabetes it was drug. a type two diabetes drug. So basically, like you didn't eat right and you don't want to do any you don't want to diet or exercise. You won't yeah. still want to continue to eat footlong chili conies from Sonic <laughs> every fucking day. And this fucking drug gave you tank cancer for like <laughs> like for like <laughs> if you took it that was a like potential <laughs> side effect
1: yeah. yeah you know opioids right I mean right. that's that one's not necessarily you know probably a, well I mean example I, it's, I but mean, it's funny it's, right?
0: it's it's funny but it's also it's like you know
1: but it's like look you look, your life to is be your be,
0: continue being a piece of shit who doesn't care about themselves right uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure we'll, it out for you. it's, we'll not, your it, yeah. it's, it's not, not your fault yeah it's not your fault yeah
1: it's not your fault that your BMI shows that you are extra brave right <laughs>
0: you are 40% over brave
1: shout out to Ryan long on that one um, you know so 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 drugs is one right like particularly opioids particularly psych drugs right right um, you got like the Zoloft guy he's you know this depressed little bean that's rolling around it has and a cloud everything that's raining sucks over him. right and shit's raining on him you know and he's got tank cancer and <laughs> <laughs> then uh, he takes his Olaf, and it's like, wow, everything's great. My wife's not cheating on me anymore. You know, my my, my boss <laughs> is no longer a dickhead. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, my parents came back from the dead. Whatever. Um, or or fashion or tech or or followers, right? Like, what was I watching? I think maybe it was a Tim Pool video where they were talking about how, like, when these new social media platforms come out, part of how they drive that growth is they. Take people who are early adopters and they give them fake followers. So like, you're you know little Jimmy, fifteen year old high school student, and you're like, hey guys, I just downloaded. I don't know what's a new platform. Um,
0: fucking Twitch or something, or
1: I sh- will say Twitch, but I don't think that's a, probably the best example. Maybe Twitch did it. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe TikTok or Instagram Stories TikTok or whatever. Is probably so so example. some so when some new platform comes out, right? part of the part of the deal is they, they give that kid like suddenly like 2000 followers and they're not real accounts.
0: Right. They're just, they're just, they're surplus. They're just accounts to make your number look a little larger. Right. And so numbers. then
1: Jimmy goes to his friend, Johnny and says, look, Johnny, I've got 2000 followers, dude, you should totally get on this platform. You can get so many followers so fast. Right. 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 Um, I think that's pretty, I think that's kind of interesting, right? Uh, that's a really interesting way to manipulate people. Um, and, and, and these technologies are all used for, for political manipulation, right? Sure. Um, dictating your emotions. Like they want to be able to make your emotional reactions predictable, right? Right. Like we want to be able to show you a video of some atrocious, horrible thing that happened. And we, we want to be able to know that within 24 hours of this being viral, we will get overwhelming support for new policies to do this. Right. Right. You know? Um and, and and that's where like Eric Weinstein talks about that like concept of using critical emoting, right? Like r- kind of like realize when you're being manipulated, realize like when you're seeing a video that pisses you off but is showing an issue that's not a common issue. Right. Um, but is being used to exploit you.
0: Right. Well and, and I mean there's there is probably policy objectives maybe within that too, but there's also just money objectives, right? If you see some some video of some horrible thing that's like happened, right? Like um and you're you're gonna go back and you're gonna you know you might watch the next video on that platform right, right? or oh, you might sure. go or you for might go sure. back later and check for an update on the story of like whatever terrible thing happened.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So 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 you've got anyway. So you've got this marketing like this new branch of marketing and like um, Chamath Palihapitiya has talked about this right. Like Facebook employed some of the leading behavioral psychologists in the world to figure out how to build these algorithms and how to drive this content such that again the goal is not just influence your behavior it's not just show you that delicious looking chili cheese dog and you know hope that you go to sonic or whatever right it's like the next step is we want to make your behavior predictable we want to know that if we shoot this ad at you five times then we can guarantee to our advertisers that there's a 90 percent conversion rate that you're going to go do this right you're going to take this action right right? um and they're, they're literally using pavlovian conditioning to do it right um you know another kind of important piece and this becomes a topic unto itself to some extent is like, and, and this is, this kind of feeds back into last week's topic of if you're going to build a totalitarian kind of regime or or, or, or if a system is going to, even if not by design, but just by, um, but naturally lead toward a totalitarian kind of outcome, or in, in the case of the United States, I think pretty conclusively an inverted totalitarianism thing. Um, A hallmark of totalitarianism is rules that are impossible to follow, right? There's a couple of quotes from Christopher Hitchens about this. First quote, he says, the essential principle of totalitarianism is to make laws that are impossible to obey. Um, Separate quote related to the same topic, he says, the true essence of a dictatorship is in fact not its regularity, but its unpredictability and its caprice. Those who live under it must never be able to relax, must never be quite sure if they have followed the rules correctly or not. I think we've seen this in a very literal sense with like businesses trying to navigate all the lockdown rules. Yeah, the
0: COVID stuff. Yeah. right.
1: And like, that's why you've got like that video that went viral of that poor woman in LA. She's got her little restaurant and she's got an outdoor dining area. They like, they said, look, you can go outdoor. You can put everything six feet apart. So she spent a bunch of money, put up tents, put up benches, right. put everything six feet apart. And then they said, you know what?
0: Nah, nah we're not letting you do nah, that.
1: We're not letting you do that. But- these Hollywood studios, and, and this is in the same video, like she's literally the parking lot of her restaurant. A Hollywood studio is filming on location there and they bring in a huge catering company to feed all the actors and the staff and everything.
0: Right. Exactly. Which, which is effectively the same exact thing as And happening it's
1: like, her. it's like identical. She's got her tents yeah. over here. With right. The benches. And they have their, they've got their tents, their tents over, over there. there with benches. Yeah. Everyone's right. roaming around. No mask having a grand old time. Cause, right. cause guess what? Like it, uh, in hall in, in California, Hollywood has a lot of political power.
0: Oh, a hundred percent.
1: A little business owner that has a little, little restaurant does not. Right. Right. Um, you know, so, so that's like in a literal sense there, are, there are literally, I mean, like look at the fucking tax laws for Christ's sake. Right. Like there are literally laws, like the volume of laws has become so exhaustive that, that it's arguably very difficult to, to follow. And, and, you know, maybe there's an element of conspiracy that, right? Like politicians are largely lawyers, lawyers write those laws. When laws are increasingly complex, then lawyers are more valuable and needed. Right. 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 It's just like kind of the cycle. Right. Um, but then in like the more abstract way, right. And, and again, this is, this is, uh, this is like, so the, in the traditional totalitarianism, like what Hitchens is talking about or a traditional dictatorship, right. It, it was like, it's like literal laws that become that way. Right. Um, in an inverted, um, totalitarianism, um, the, the rules are not always hard and fast rules, but they're social norms. Right. And the punishments are not always legal punishments, but they are, Social economic punishments, right. right? If you express the wrong views, you're fired. Right, right. If your company doesn't put the right banner in the window, you're you're going to get canceled. You're going to get your windows broken in. We're gonna maybe we're gonna burn the fucking place down. Right, exactly. Right? Um, like look at James Demore from 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 Google, right? You yeah, remember that whole the, thing?
0: He said the wrong thing. Yeah,
1: said the wrong thing. He challenged some orthodoxies around um, the problem with you know or, 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 or the. Just some challenges of getting women in tech yeah, right? right and he kind of said like he kind of put some arguments forward that were very well reasoned that were backed by data that were not his opinions right. right and and he was fired for it um you know but but the whole point of these right is that they're impossible to navigate so that they can be selectively enforced right so look at so James Moore's one example then like look at um what was that guy Jeffrey Tubin,
0: I don't know if I'm familiar with Tubin. So
1: Jeffrey Tubin's the guy that got caught jerking off on camera on like a Zoom meeting. He's like a CNN guy.
0: Oh, like recently. Yes. Um, so he he. he do, do you
1: remember that video or that that whole thing? <laughs> um, uh, they don't have video of it. I don't. I don't.
0: Much? I I don't know. I don't know if I remember that one.
1: You have to Google. I mean, it. I, I'm I like, I'm
0: not. I wouldn't be surprised if there were multiple like instances of people waxing it. You know. <laughs> Probably right. <Everyone's laughs> like, working from Everyone's home. working from home.
1: Right. So, you know, the the funny thing is he was a CNN guy, I believe, maybe MSNBC, some news, one of the one of the big news companies. Right. Yeah. And it was like an internal meeting or something. And apparently he thought his camera was off and started waxing his carrot. And it wasn't. So, uh, So he can literally jerk off on camera. But most of the New York Times is I think it was New York Times, not CNN. I think it was New York Times, but whatever he worked for that group and every other liberal journalist came out and sort of half defended him, Right. It was kind of like, well, these are new times. It can happen to anybody. You know, we all are at home all day jerking off on camera. You know, it's, we're, we're all jerking off between meetings. Right. It can happen to any <laughs> of us. Um, and, and so they kind of came to his defense. Right. So like, again, write a memo internally on a discussion board that, um, disagrees with a, a, a important social orthodoxy and you lose your job jerk off on camera and you don't because you hold the right viewpoints, right? You toe yeah. the line, you say the right things. You can get away with it. Another example, right? The new Jersey bar owner that's been thrown in jail for refusing to close his business and starve his family. Right. You know, like he's like, I'm not going to go down fighting. Like, I have to feed my fucking family here. Right. Yeah. Um, he gets thrown in jail, but Gavin Newsom can go eat at his favorite restaurant in Napa that's fine. Right. And, and he no can mask. especially do so with 20 healthcare industry lobbyists. Right. 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 Um, again, it's selective enforcement of those rules. Like the real, the only real backlash that like Gavin Newsom got was like maybe from Tucker Carlson.
0: Yeah, who right. was like I mean, you're a got, fucking hypocrite? He got like roasted on the internet for it, but there's not like actually any real consequences right. that happened. And he
1: only got roasted on the internet from like pretty conservative sources, right? Exactly. Well, you it's know? the same
0: thing. What was that? It was the mayor of Austin, Texas, was like telling people in his city like you need to stay home for Thanksgiving while he was like on the beach in Mexico. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think that yeah. that was you a, got, that like, was a Pelosi new... getting
1: her haircut. You got right. Um, Chicago mayor getting her haircut. Right. Um. So. You, you you know again the the idea is that these laws have to be so overreaching, so complex, so difficult to follow that they can be selectively enforced. Right, they can be enforced right. against those you don't like. And again, it's not just laws. Again, the, the old totalitarian concept was literal laws. Nowadays when it's an inverted totalitarian totalitarian and you've complex. got this massive, you know, propaganda machine.
2: Right.
1: It ha- it's social norms. It doesn't have to be law. You can enforce right. consequences without the law. You can get you can people can lose their jobs. Right, like someone's gonna be way more afraid of losing their job than they are gonna be afraid of a fine. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, if you've got your job, you can usually pay a fine. So Brett Weinstein talked about this a little bit um when he was talking about some of the like COVID restrictions and how the government's done a really poor job of making those guidelines like reasonable and easy to follow. Right. right. And and you know, again, he kind of purports that maybe that's intentional. Um, but he calls it the lowest posted speed concept, right? So you go into a little small town. And a little small town where the sheriff and his deputies kind of know everybody got the people they like, got the people they don't like. So you got a speed limit of 20 that goes through some major road where nobody goes 20. Everybody's right. going 35. Right. But that lowest posted speed limit concept gives you the ability to pull over whoever you want. Right. 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 If I suspect that maybe you got some weed in your car, Hey, guess what? You were speeding. While well, I was going to of the car in front of me, doesn't matter. You were speeding. Right. We're going to search you now. Right. right. I smell weed. Um, or, or whatever. Right. Um, so, you know, I was thinking about it and like, I think another example of that is um, like holding calls in the NFL.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. That's t- that is a good example. Like holding m- might happen on every play.
1: It probably does happen on every play. Right. right? And it's, it's <laughs> like, it seems, it, you know, and again, I don't, I don't know that it's a big, you know, kayfabe style conspiracy or anything like yeah, it's that, probably but, not. but like, I think everybody who's watched a game where their team is getting bogus calls. They're like. This is fucking bullshit. Yeah, right. this is being selectively enforced right. against me, right? Um, so,
0: so what you're saying is the NFL is an in inverted totalitarian state, right? <laughs> <laughs> Roger Goodell is the is the dictator of the inverted. Uh, I mean, NFL. there's there's
1: probably a good argument to be <laughs> to be had there. <laughs> um, We should get Dave Portnoy on and see what he thinks about Roger. Oh Goodell, yeah, Dave
0: know? Portnoy wants, wants. I'm sure
1: he'd give us some great insight on this. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and, and the other part of it is, and, and this is the other quote I sent you. Um, so I sent you the page for the inverted totalitarianism argument, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you go down to like, I think it's other resources or other reading or whatever, further reading something, get some, um, there's a quote from a guy named Kevin Zeiss, And, um, and, and so Kevin Zeiss just actually passed away a few months ago, but he was a a green party guy, very far left. He was like a lawyer and he was like one of the organizers of the Occupy movement back in 2011. Um, But I don't know if you, have you found his quote there? Yeah. Do you want to like read, read through that quote?
0: We are living in a time of inverted totalitarianism in which that's a hard word in which the tools used to maintain the status quo are much more subtle and technologically, technologically advanced Reading's fucking hard. Um, these include propaganda and in major media outlets that hide the real news about conditions at home and in our activities around the world behind distractions. Another tool is to cr- create insecurity in the population so that people are unwilling to speak out and take risks for fear of losing their jobs. Changes in college education also silence dissent. Adjunct professors are less willing to teach topics that are viewed as controversial. This combined with math- massive student debt are tools to silence the student population. Once the censor once the center of transformative action.
1: Yeah. So that, that I think, you know, summarizes way better than my Mm. 10 minutes of rambling, like (laughs) like what, what that problem is. Right. And how you, when, why you don't necessarily need hard and fast laws, right. To be able to fuck with people and control them.
0: If you're, if you're a dictator or somebody who, um, you know, wants to have that type of power, like what's easier to do? Is it easier to manipulate people into giving it up themselves and having their peers and their, fellow citizens like kind of enforce those rules for them or to do it by, you know, an iron fist. Well, it's like, it's right. hard to fucking be a dictator that rules by an iron fist, right? Like you got to find people that are, are willing to subscribe to that ideology, like, you know, to the death. When it uh, doesn't work got, in the 21st century. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't work in the 21st century. So, right. I mean, this is, I don't know that this is necessarily easier, but it's, it's um, in practicality. It's easier for the controller, for the rulers to, to rule well, by this.
1: And the amazing thing is it's, it's very easy when you can use years and years and years of lobbying and political scheming and propaganda to make it such that it's in everyone's financial interest to do so, right, right, you know what I mean? Um, y- y- you know, so so again, it's it's the media themselves. It's not that they have an agenda per se, right, right. It's that they're just trying to make money, um, and and so they're trying to make money by appealing to they're advertisers and, and by, you know, creating content that's going to be favorable to the advertisers, exactly. which sometimes are politicians who are buying ad space. Right. Um, and those same advertisers are often also the political donor class. Right. right? So it's this system where I think in economics, you'd call that a moral hazard, right? Where all of the kind of, um, financial interests are aligned in such a way that it creates negative externalities. Right. Right. Um, so again, it doesn't even have to be a conspiracy. Right. Um, it, it it's, It just Just has to evolution,
0: right? It just has to make money or or be positive for all parties that are involved. And
1: while it doesn't have to be a conspiracy, it does ultimately come down to a failure of the state to do its job. Exactly. Right. Yes. Like, like how is this all working? Right. How, how are they going to be able to get away with this? And it's largely because these companies and these private influence, these private companies or these private interests rather have been able to influence, um, they've been able to lobby and they've been able to influence these kinds of politicians that are super easy to buy off. Right. And, a prime example of that like I think clearly one of the easiest politicians to buy off has been Joe Biden yeah right right um, these these companies have effectively embraced socialism for themselves right and like I, I used to get really pissed off on here like leftists say like well you know it's it's socialism for the wealthy elite and rugged individualism for the poor people and um I, I, I disagreed with that and I didn't like that because I didn't like where they would take you know, that premise would be then used to justify policy or positions that I did not agree with. Right. I've shifted a little bit and I agree. I think that that is largely true.
0: Right. I, yes. Um, I,
1: agree. I don't think, I don't agree with how you deal with that with those people, but, but I, I do think that that is very true. Um, you know, so, so now they want to, the, so part of this new, new great reset thing too, right. Is like, who do you think is going to pay for like the social programs that are part of this for instance? Right. Something like UBI. Who's going to pay for UBI?
0: Well, it's, 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 uh, it's the taxpayer. Like, I don't know at that when, once you get to like the great reset and where nobody's has a job and nobody's making any money anymore. (laughs) Like, I don't know how that would really work, but if you were to do UBI today, it would be the taxpayer or you would be creating or how we usually do it, which is creating money out of thin air.
1: Well, and so even if you don't have like, even like take away kind of the like idea of like currency, right? Um, you just look at it in terms of productivity. So even if you don't have money, right. And it's not like a matter of we're going to tax the middle class. Like right now, the way that paradigm has worked is, is it's been the middle class pays for all of this. Right. Shit, right? right. Like the, the, wealthy, they have the best accountants, attorneys, investments, et cetera, to minimize their tax bill. Um, and listen, I'm not like that far left. Like I think that rich people, Pay a lot of taxes, you're right. Um, but they also have plenty of wealth to use to influence other things to make them more money, right? Like it's not always just about trying to lower their taxes, like right. Well, it also all the depends anti- on Trump.
0: how rich you, you are, because like you get to a certain level of rich, and you can put all of your money in assets rather than like liquid income. Then like you can get around tax laws like a little bit easier.
1: Well, true, and it's like, look, there's there's a couple of different approaches, right? So like some of the criticisms of criticisms of Trump was that oh well he lowered the taxes for like the wealthy, and maybe that's a fair criticism, right? Um, the way that the Democrats do it is they don't focus on the tax side. They say, well, I guess we're not going to lower your taxes, but we're going to make you more money, right? right? We're going to pass these like regulations that are going to be favorable to your industry Right? that are going to make you more money. So yeah, you'll keep paying the same taxes, but you're going to make $20 million more and, you know, and after money. taxes come out, you know, that's, you're making $17 million more. Right. Right. Um, and, and so, so take out the money equation of it. So, so the middle class pays all the taxes yes. effectively, right? Right, right. Um, Take out the equation of it. You're still going to have that middle class. They're not necessarily going to be the middle class in terms of the, what their financial compensation is, but they're going to be the middle class in the sense that they do all of the work. They maintain all of the systems. Um, e- and even if we live in this, you know, fully automated luxury space communism state, right? Right. There's still going to be a lot of work to keep those systems running. Right. Right.
0: And who's going to do that work?
1: Who's going to do that work? Right. The, the people who are doing that work will effectively be kind of the middle class, right? So you'll have kind of like the people in the middle still doing all the work. You'll have the people on the top extracting all of the wealth or benefit from it, right? right? Living the best lifestyles, traveling, doing whatever they want, having all the property. Um, and at the very bottom, you'll have all the people who are the handout class, right? Where like they're not doing any of that work because they're too incompetent to or unwilling to or whatever. Right. Um, but they are still going to get the benefit of it. Right. Um, so, you know, again, it's just like UBI, right? Like it's, it's, you're going to sell it to people and it's going to seem like the rich are going to pay for it and it's going to go to the poor people, but it's not. The middle class is going to pay for it and it's going to go very temporarily to the poor people and then end up in the hands of the rich people. Right, yeah. Um, You know, so, so part of that too, right? So I mean, we talked a little bit about like that disruption concept. Like they now have, competition has benefited them and they know that competition is going to benefit the next guy, and they don't want it to, right? They want to they want to scale down that competition. Um, so, so they have to create they have to craft this narrative, right? That um, for all these different reasons, you shouldn't even try to compete with them, right? Like, there's a lot them of them
0: being like
1: the elites, yeah, the, the people who own all the capital, right? The people who own all the companies, you know, the people who have the political influence, et cetera. Um, You know, so, so they have to keep you kind of fearful, right? They have to kind of say, well, look, you can't do it on your own because you are black and the world is racist, right? You need us, or you can't do it because you're a woman and the world is sexist. You need us. So, so don't even try, just embrace our way. We're going to help you. We're going to play Robin Hood. We're going to steal from that white man and give to you, Right. right? Uh, or it's because of the, or because it's because of inequality, or it's because of anti vaxxers or it's because of you know neo-Nazis or, or, or whatever else, right? Right. Like whatever we can do to kind of stifle your desire to to create the perception that the deck is so rigged against you the that only you person shouldn't even can try.
0: Solve it is going to be some sort of power structure.
1: Right. You should just go ahead and submit to us, and if you do, we'll make sure that you're fed and clothed. Right. Right. Um, and that's kind of what the Great Reset's going to be, right? Like. You don't need capital. You don't need to own property. You right. don't need to own a, a, a warehouse that you can turn into a manufacturing center where you can build a product that you can sell for a profit and, and you know, elevate your status. Right. We don't want you doing that because we already make that product. Right. Like we don't want little restaurants that are independent. Like if you want Chinese food, you can go to Amazon Chinese. Right. And if you want Thai food, you can go to Amazon Thai. And if you want Mexican food, you can go to Amazon Mexican food. Right. And it'll probably be pretty good. But you won't have any choice. You won't have any choice. <laughs> that will be it, yeah. Um, so, you know, that I, I kind of want to, like, go, go back to that a little bit, right? So it's kind of this idea of, like, you are incapable on your own because of systemic problems, systemic racism, systemic sexism, whatever. You're incapable. Um, you need to rely on us, right? So it kind of becomes this thing of, okay, well, is that a benevolent sentiment? Are they, are they saying that because they care about you? And they want to help you. Um, Probably a lot of the people who are repeating that
0: do. Think that way. Yeah, I would agree. Probably a
1: lot of the people at the top who are echoing that don't. No. Right. And I think a really kind of prominent example of that is, like, did you see that the, um, you see the Hillbillyology movie that came out?
0: Um, I've heard about that movie. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. I, I know, I know that it got like a lot of criticism from, from different left sources. Right.
1: So what's funny is... What's funny is, and so, like, J.D. Vance has, been, has done several interviews since the movie came out, and he talks about this, and he was like, not that long ago, what I was saying was was embraced by the left. Right. Right? Because I was saying, look, there's these big corporate interests who have hollowed out the middle class and have created economic desperation and have... Um, skirted regulations to pump massive amounts of drugs into communities. Right. Right. Do all this stuff to just totally destabilize and cripple the area because they don't want to pay those labor rates. Right. They're going to, they're going to take those jobs away and they're going to go do it in China. Right? right. And that's had these devastating kind of consequences. And not that long ago, people on the left agreed with that. And they said, right. yeah, these big private corporations, fuck them. They're fascist. They're terrible. They're hideous. Um, we got to get rid of them down with the corporations. Right. 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 Um, now what's funny is that narrative is like considered repulsive on the left. So I, I sent you a link um, to, to 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 pull up of, of a review from A.V. Club,
0: A.V. Club about it. Right. Yeah. AV, I, 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 I've seen some nonsense from A.V. Club in the past.
1: I will be honest. I don't read a lot of movie reviews like this one. just don't fascinated either, but- me because I think that like J.D. Vance is a very smart guy. I think that like his book was on point. I think he makes a lot of very, I think he, you know, leverages a lot of very fair criticisms. I think he's, he's like being kind of considered this like super right wing guy now. And he's, he's really not like he's, he's he's actually kind of progressive in some ways. He's like very populist. He believes in very strong social safety nets, all this different stuff. But the problem is his book is defensive of people who are Trump voters effectively.
0: Well, it's just probably defensive. I mean, I haven't read it, but it's defensive of poor white working class people that are in like, kind of like the Appalachia
1: area. Exactly. So, so the AV club take on that, right. Is, is that, um, these people are predominantly white, so they have all the power and therefore there should be no sympathy toward their economic situation. Right. right? Like read the headline of the review.
0: It's may hillbilly elegy mark the end of Trump era myth, the Trump era myth about, the white working class.
1: (laughs) I love that it's a Trump era myth, right? Right. It's this thing that's like 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 well-documented in economic journals.
0: Yeah. Like it it started in 20, you know, 2016 with, with Trump.
1: Well, it's just how stupid these people are, right? Like, like they still refuse to acknowledge that Trump is not the problem, but a symptom, right? Like Trump came about because of the irresponsible behavior of these corporations that absolutely decimated these, these areas. Right. Right. And this movie provides, not only very compelling narrative well the, well the movie mostly provides very compelling narrative to that effect the book actually provides a lot of data and the book's much more political right right, right. like the movie does not get political um the the, the book does um but but the movie is like more of like a you know rags to riches coming of age story about how jD and, and it's like the the you know main trying to driving force of the book how he educated himself and escaped poverty and he had this Mama, who wouldn't tolerate bullshit and was like, you've got to work on yourself and do better and right, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Right? It's a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of, kind of story. Right. right? And that's right. another thing the left hates. Right. Um, but, 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 you know, ultimately now they're like coming to the defense and they're and, and because like these people, because of their situation, all felt that Trump was the best candidate to vote for right, wrong, or otherwise. Now we have to crush this narrative. We have to crush this sentiment that, that these poor white people are disadvantaged, right? And so, like in that AV Club article, like the woman talks about how it's like super harmful because it mar- like it marginalizes and and doesn't talk about the problems of like non-white people or whatever. And it's like, well, he's talking about a very specific demographic area,
0: right? right? That's like, I mean, the plot of the book is about right.
1: In that same article, um, just to, to wrap up on this, I think it's like the last paragraph. If you want to read that, it's kind of interesting. Oh, or I let's can see pull here. It up.
0: No, no, you're good. If I can like navigate through but, 40 ads.
1: But so, so I guess what, what I'm getting at with this, right? And I, like, this is in this AV Club review. This is not. This is not just that one person. Like right. this, this represents kind of the consensus view of of this from from the critics, right? Funny thing is, like the crowds loved it. It's a Ron Howard film. Ron Howard's a great director. He makes right. very He's, compelling yeah. movies. Right. Um. And and he makes. He makes crowd pleasing movies. The crowd loved it, and 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 most people who don't live in fucking Brooklyn or L A. can identify with that.
0: Like, right? Well, this person, this Katie Reif or whatever her name is, she's never been to like this place. No, like she's got and like she electric
1: it. pink hair, <laughs> yeah. and she's very brave.
0: Right? <laughs> Super brave. And, and brave people don't go to West Virginia.
1: No, and and so, <laughs> <laughs> so, um. You know, so like uh, uh, having been raised in Southwest Missouri in an area where you have hillbillies, right? Like where, you know, we're talking about Olive Garden earlier, right? I didn't even realize at the time I was kind of making like a little bit of a, a little intro to this, but... Like I waited on these kinds of people right. when I was at Olive Garden, exactly. Right, like these people that came in from all the rural hill areas, the like, and- like Springfield is a really unique little like microcosm, and, and it because it's this kind of metropolitan area. There's universities, there's, right. there's right. good sized businesses, there's a decent population, but it's surrounded by like
0: areas that are kind of similar to probably what this what, where this.
1: Yeah. hillbilly areas, yeah. opiate, meth addicted, right. redneck, right. low right. education. Well, they had, et cetera. We, made a, we made
0: a movie um about that was based in Forsyth. That's right. right? Yeah, yeah Winter's Girl. Bone. Yeah, Winter's Bone, that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. 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 Jennifer Lawrence. Yep. And it was filmed
1: in and, Forsyth. And it was very sympathetic to like yes. poor white people. Right?
0: right, right. Um I wonder what Katie Reif had to say about that.
1: Well, I mean, back then when it came out, that was okay. It was okay right. to have sympathy for poor white people. Right. Now you can only have sympathy for poor black people.
0: Yeah. Or just right. any because poor white people white have person. power
1: by virtue of being white. Right. That's the new narrative. Right. Um, so, so I've, got,
0: I've got this pulled up here and this is, sure. I mean, this is some pretty ridiculous. Oh dude, uh, like commentary. It's unfortunate that Vance had a difficult time growing up. Addiction is a nightmare for a family and the powers that, ha- that be have not done enough to hold those responsible for the op- opioid crisis in Appalachia to account. But frankly, we'd all be better off. The writer discussed these issues with a therapist rather than spinning them into a bootstrapping poverty porn. <laughs> hillbilly elegy just reinforces
1: poverty porn.
0: That's bootstrapping poverty porn. Go put that in the porn hub and see like what comes up. My God. I mean, like that's fucking
1: insensitive.
0: Hillbilly elegy just reinforces the stereotypes. It, it it insists it's illuminating.
1: So that is,
0: that that is a a very, very, uh, I want to use a different word, but shitty statement.
1: Oh, she's a zealot dude.
0: I, I, I mean, that's just, imagine if somebody like, imagine if, Pick pick a movie about a poor black family, like growing up in like an urban area where it was tough and there's drug addiction and gangs and like whatnot. And imagine like some fucking pink haired Katie Reif, like writing the saying the same things about a black family. Right. She wouldn't. Oh, she wouldn't. But I mean, imagine like what would happen if like somebody did that? It would be the end of the world. Right.
1: Right. So so just real briefly because it's funny. Scroll up to like the very very top of, of the video.
0: Okay. Or not the video but the, the, article.
1: the article, right? So yep. right below the headlines, there's like a little little disclaimer in italics. See if you can see oh, yeah. it. <laughs> oh yeah. I did
0: see this a second ago and it cracked me up, dude. Note the writer of this review watched Hillbilly Elegy from home before making the decision to see it or any or any other film in a movie theater, please consider the health risks, risks involved. Here's an interview on the matter with scientific <laughs> experts. It's a Only good Only watch movies at home and you better
1: fucking listen.
0: Otherwise, Katie Reif is going to write an article about you right. and roast you on AV Club. I'm
1: so glad that I have Katie Reif there to point me to science so that I don't make the mistake of right. wandering into a movie theater. Right. Which most of them have actually gone under and are out of business now.
0: Right. Thanks to... Um, pink haired fucks like Katie Reif. Yeah. I'm going to name this episode. Fuck Katie Rife." <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Just kidding. So, so my, my point of that, right. Was like, so, so you've got a couple things, right? Is this great research shit all, or all these social programs or all these kind of money-making schemes that are masquerading as social problems? Like, are they rooted in people that have a duty to help or, or ha- have a sense of duty to help? Or is it rooted in, um, something a little bit more malicious. Is it rooted in like a hatred, right? Right. Arguably maybe a racist hatred, right? Like now that it's perfectly fine to say that like white people are bad. All white people are bad. If your skin color is white, you're bad, whatever. Right. Like is this rooted in benevolence or malevolence? Right. And I think it's a legitimate debate. One thing I would say is if it is rooted in benevolence, it's, it's just steeped in condescension. Like, right. That article is so fucking condescending right from that disclaimer at the beginning. Like, in case you didn't know, there's a pandemic going on. So you should watch this from home. Right. Right. Like, because I mean, if you didn't read her review of hillbilly elegy, you may not know that.
0: Yeah. Like, you, you know, you would have had no idea that there's an ongoing, pandemic I had no fucking clue. I would months. just
1: go to the like movie theater and, and, you know, buy popcorn and, and eat the popcorn without a mask, you know, right. Instead of shoving it through the mask. Right. Um, so, well,
0: so I think, I think like, I, I don't know if uh, kind of some of these ideas of the great reset are born out of racism, but I think that this is more of no, something I mean, that you were, th- that you were talking about earlier about how we have fake squabbles between like citizens, like, right. We have fake things that we're fighting about rather than like having the 99%, you know, right. get together and realize that there's a common enemy well, and that's in, in, Katie here. It's, it's more divisiveness, right? It's yeah. more
1: divisiveness. So, so I think that like, if you look at not just Katie Reif, but basically all of the like critics, hers was like comedic, right? That's right. Why, I, why I picked hers. But right. um there's a lot of them that are that, that basically put that same narrative forward, right? right? It's not okay to have sympathy for white people. White people are for, are powerful. This idea that they're economically disparaged is is not true, right? The only part of this that we can agree with is that um the opioid problem is bad. Right. And so you know, I, I kind of look at this and when you see like Again, he's writing this heartwarming tale of someone who managed to escape the cycle of poverty, get himself in a better position, thanks to his like old-fashioned Southern mama, you know, and all this. Right, despite having a mom who's like a, a drug-addicted mess. Right. It should be this heartwarming, inspiring story where you where you say to yourself, "Man, it's great that there are people out there who managed to get out of that." Right. Right. But they don't. They turn into this this hideous, negative thing. Like, and and to me, it's like it's kind of proof that they're that. I mean, I think that there's a lot of these kind of, you know, coastal elite types. They fucking hate you. Right. Like it's, I don't think it's rooted in benevolence. I want to think it is. And then I read articles like that. And I think like this person fucking hates you. If you happen to be white and you happen to be poor and live in Appalachia. Right. Then one, you're automatically a racist. Right. right, Which is totally bogus. Right. But then two, you're loathsome because you voted for Trump because he was the one who was going to not continue outsourcing your job. Right. Right. So, you know, uh, things like that, these little social movements like that, these little social phenomena really challenge my desire. I I genuinely want to believe, like I I genuinely want to believe in what is it? Hanlon's razor where it's, you know, don't ascribe to malice. What can easily be explained by ignorance or incompetence? I really want to believe that. Um, But then I, sometimes I think, man, there's some just really, really malicious, um, kind of memes in our culture. And I don't mean that in like the, you know, picture with text sense. I mean that in, in like the Richard Dawkins sense, right? Um, like this hatred of, of anyone that's white and poor yeah. because they probably voted for Trump. Right. And it's ridiculous. You have to like, it's so superficial too. It's like, you're not looking at the problem. You're not understanding why they voted for Trump. And then, and then trying to say, Hey, look, we can actually address these issues that right. would cause you to want to vote for this guy. No interest in that. Let's just condemn just, just and move on. Him. Right. Yeah. Um so so going back so like that was kind of under the under the concept of like you know what is it rooted in but then you know we kind of talked about the tools a little bit um i think i go into some of these a little bit more in depth here but like one of the top bullet points i said was was the kind of the transition away from meritocracy right mm-hmm. yep. and like we've seen this from like affirmative action we've seen this from like what it takes to get into colleges right um Jobs where, like, I mean, I literally see in in our very like liberal little tech community here, I, I regularly see um, executives posting jobs where they're like, women and people of color preferred.
0: Yeah, right. And I've seen that on postings too.
1: You know, and it's like, I think that people who say that like they're, they're they have good intentions, right? right I think I think right. I really think they do. Um, I don't think that they realize I don't think they realize they're caught up in something a little bit bigger than them, right? Like look at, I think the perfect example of this is like, look at the Biden administration. So he's appointing women, people of color, et cetera, into very, very, very key positions. I believe so that, and, and I'm not the only one who believes this, right? A lot of kind of pundits out there up to and including Glenn Greenwald um, believe that it's, um, it's, it's more because then they can more tightly control the narrative, right? Like if we have a black woman running this, you can't criticize those policies right. because then you're a racist he's and you're a ra- sexist. Exactly. Right?
0: Yeah. Like, well, I mean, uh, he Biden even came out and said one of the debates. He's like, or er, er, the the debate moderator asked him, and this was during the Democratic debates before they had chosen somebody. He was like, Biden, will you commit right now to having a woman, uh, you know, as as your VP pick if you win the if you win the nomination? And he was like, Oh, yes. He's like, I'll commit to that right now. And it's just like that's really silly. Like, and it, there's probably. Right. There, he probably could have found a totally competent. I mean, I don't think any of the candidates were, were, were competent, but I mean, there is a there is a competent woman out there that could, could have been Tulsi and, Gabbard, could have been Tulsi know? Gabbard, could have been, um, you know, somebody else. Not and, and and maybe that's how it would have shook out. But like, if you're you're the reason you're doing that is you're politically posturing, right? Correct. So
1: and and, and so you know, I I saw the same thing happen with Obama, right? Right. <clears throat> I literally campaigned for Obama, <laughs> and. During the latter part of like Obama's second term, when I became very critical of the Obama admin, Mm -hmm. I would like argue with people and I would be like, no, look, he's deporting all of these immigrants. He's bombing all these brown people. The ACA was totally corrupt. All my kind of like classic arguments against Obama. And like in college at the time, I can't tell you how many people I had tell me that it's because I was racist and I was uncomfortable with a black president.
0: Yeah. It's like, you're like, dude. Did you just That's hear such me? a
1: fucking stupid scapegoat? Yeah. Like it's because you, it's because you're, it's, I mean, most of these people, again, they're low information voters. They're too ignorant to actually be able to discuss the issues. Like when right. you tell them that, like it's just in one ear and out the other, because they're just like reflexively they're like, no, I don't believe that. Right. And I'm not going to look it up. I don't care. Right. You're just a racist. Right? right. Like that was like the early, early, early phases of that. Now we're seeing it in full force, right? Where it's, we're going to point people into positions where they can't be criticized and they're going to be positions that should be heavily criticized and should be heavily scrutinized. And
0: were for under Trump, right? And like, were
1: under Trump, right. absolutely, right? Um, so, so that's 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 part of it, right? That that makes power structures immune from criticism. It also, again, it gets rid of the meritocracy, right? So it's no longer we need the Who's, best person yeah, for the job. right? And so now it's like, it, it creates, a, a, it gets rid of the incentive to get better and to learn more, right? right. Because look, I want to apply for this job. I'm perfectly qualified for it. I did great at my previous company in this job. I made them $20 million or whatever. Um, But I, I want to go to apply to this job, but like their CTO just posted, you know, women and people of color preferred. Like that's going to totally discourage somebody from applying.
0: Yeah, sure, hundred percent.
1: You know, and and I would argue that like that's going to that's going to reduce their applicant pool, and it, it's going to potentially mean they're not necessarily finding the best person for the job.
0: Right, you might hire the wrong person. You might, and put that's somebody, bad for business. That is, first, of it all. is bad for business.
1: Um, um I, and, and and the funny thing is too, right? Like these big companies, and again, feeding into that pulling up of the ladder concept. If you're a big, big, big company, you can appoint someone to a very, very big position to an important position without there being any merit and, and be relatively insulated from it. Right. Right. Like these like diversity positions, like chief diversity officer. Right. That job is never going to make a difference in terms of what, how you, how you compete in the marketplace. The The presence of that role is not going to, to have one iota of influence on what your fucking share price does.
0: Yeah. That's an internal. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: What it does do is it means I'm the better company. I can advertise that I'm the better company. And then you small scrappy startup who is, trying your damnedest to find qualified candidates you're racist because nine out of 10 people in your tech company are white males. Right. Right. You're racist because, and, and by the way, nine out of 10, I mean that literally you have a 10 person company and nine of them are white males. Right. 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 But we have a 30,000 person company and we have, you know, achieved what we are going to advertise as as a better than 10% rate for non white sure. males or whatever. Right. right. Um, so it's this, and now you've got like the New York stock exchange saying, um, we're going to you know we're not going to list you on our stock exchange unless you so have, have a certain amount of board people that are what board members that are whatever right.
0: Did that actually like I I heard about that did that did they actually decide on that or was that like something they were just like thrown around?
1: I don't know if they've decided on it, but it's being. Last I understood, it was being discussed very seriously.
0: That is that's pretty pretty silly.
1: Well, I mean, again, it's like. It, It creates barriers, right? It's like regulation. Mm -hmm. You know, there's already barriers to entry that exist naturally to start a business, namely capital, right? It's hard to get capital. Right. It's hard to invest capital. It's risky. Most people, when they get some capital, they don't want to invest it in something risky, right? Big barrier to entry. Not sufficiently big. There's plenty of people with that entrepreneurial gene or whatever that'll go out and they'll disrupt regardless, and they'll take those risks. So what do you have to do? You have to create regulation, and and among that regulation now, this is just a new form of regulation. It's right. just a new barrier yeah, that's of entry. It's right? an
0: interesting way of looking at it, right? Is that it's, an, it's it's another like regulation similar to how you know you would you would have a a, a traditional regulation, but it's a socially enforced regulation. Kind of goes back to the inverted totalitarianism, right. you know, kind of concept. But I've never really thought about it like that before. Um, I thought of it more as just kind of a marketing ploy. But it is kind of like that, right? Like you can Facebook can have a chief right. diversity officer, Amazon can, you know, your ten-person startup can't, right? And and, and what's funny, too, is if people – if if these people genuinely cared so much about having more whatever in tech or whatever in whatever industry – it's like, well, why don't we focus on like, why don't you like focus like, all right, well, maybe I'll go teach you know a group of girls how to code or something, right? Like well, whenever they're and young. And some
1: groups do, and right?
0: some and some groups do do that. Not right? gover-
1: not like government, not govern, not right? governments, of not course, regulations, not do right? But like like that. But like, yeah, if there's you, lots of great not-for-profits like Women in Tech, right? Yeah, like right, Women in Tech, right? They're doing good things. They're right. trying to like get out there. They're trying to encourage women to get into right. coding and all that. I'm all for that. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Is, that that that's
0: that's good stuff. But like, it's interesting because like you know, uh, it. it if I if I was if I was a company, maybe I wouldn't say like you know people of whatever you know, x gender or x race you know are preferred, but like maybe you could advertise it like, hey, we're supporting this initiative. We donated fifteen laptops to poor people that so they could learn to code or something like that. Right. Like you know what I mean?
1: Well, it's like to me, t- to me, you're hiring appropriately if the people in your company roughly reflect the pool of candidates, the not that, the population, yeah. right? Everyone wants everyone wants it to reflect the population, right? Not the pool of candidates. And, right. like, there's been a lot of discussion extensively about this between, like, men and women, right? Like, women in tech versus women in healthcare, right? There's disproportionate amount of women in healthcare, right? Those are also really high-paying jobs. Disproportionately low women in tech, which are also high-paying jobs, right? Disproportionately low men in healthcare. Disproportionately low men in teaching, right? Um, there's – this is a whole – can't worms right but like but like there's differences among the sexes right right and and you can't acknowledge that now first of all like james Damore got fired basically for For making that argument yeah and for saying wait a minute our company more or less reflects the applicant pool right and that nine out of ten applicants are men because men have traditionally been attracted to solving these kinds of problems and doing these kinds of jobs whatever again i think it's a very reasonable argument right and look, I'm sure people out there have op- objections to it that are rooted in data or science and I'll entertain those all day long, right? But I won't entertain just shutting down the argument and saying if you begin to think about that and, and then you're a sexist, right? Right. And the funny thing is too, as, when you shut that down and you, and, and you discourage conversation about it, you're actually making the problem worse. Like most people who want to talk about that, who, who don't believe in the same, who don't have the same diagnosis of the problem that you do, a lot of them still want to improve the situation, but they arrive at a different conclusion because they, they don't necessarily buy the same premises that you have put forward. Right. Right. And when you say no, your premises are totally wrong and sexist, then you eliminate avenues to fix the problem. Right. Um, and maybe that's intentional, right? Right. Um, so, so that's kind of like that meritocracy argument. You know, the, the other one I mentioned was like tight control of narrative via political theater. Slash kayfabe, like we talked a little bit about this last week, and we talked about Ro Khanna going on the on the Ingram angle, right?
0: Right, and gotten some pushback for that.
1: Right, <laughs> power structures are very, very afraid of like a potential progressive populist alliance, right? Right. Um. So they ultimately want to build. So, like, here's the funny thing, too, right? You've got this new scenario now where, um, so like after the after Biden, after the AP called the election for Biden, right? You 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 saw all these media outlets come out and say hey we're going to unify now and they started saying hey we need to um, we need to work on getting rid of sites and news sources that are that are um, hyper partisan right? Right, right cnn said we need to get rid of hyper partisanism and msnbc said we need to get rid of hyper the most hyper partisan outlets out there said we're like blaming facebook for hyper-partisanism right? right um and the funny thing is right so so now you've got the situation where where algorithms that are designed to get people to consume more content right which typically means you're going to put them in an echo chamber and feed them more videos about things they already right. agree with or whatever right these algorithms are what's creating division but the division is instead being blamed on free speech Right, and we're saying And you've got people coming forward again. You've got people like Clapper going on CNN. You've got journalists, journalists who should be the most concerned about free speech. Right. You've got journalists coming on and saying, hmm, look, we got to reexamine what this free speech thing means. You know, we got to have public private partnerships to shut this shit down. We can't have people on there talking about, you know, Trump doing a good job or talking about poor white people in Appalachia, you know, right. Um, So I I think, you know, so, so again, you've got this apoplectic reaction on the left to, to any sort of reaching across the aisle. That's, that's very scary yet. Yet they want to claim that like Trump's divisive. Right. 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 Um, And I
0: mean, I I think he is, but it's not that they're not any less divisive.
1: Yeah. Well, for sure. For sure. Um, You know, so I, I just think that that's kind of a, a fascinating force, Right. That that's happening. And, and, and again, if you can like, if you're a big tech and you've got very entrenched financial interests that the wrong opinions might be at odds with, Mm -hmm. then it's really beneficial if you can not only create the problem, but then blame the problem on something that you, that is not beneficial to you. Right. So again, create algorithms that make you lots of money and point people out to sides and divide them. Then blame that division on free speech and then say, well, gee, we need to get rid of this free speech,
0: right? And then um, censor whatever the fuck you want. B-
1: censor whatever you want, and, and particularly censor things that don't that aren't in your interest, right? Right. Um. You know, so we've we've talked a little bit about the the marketing piece, but you know, it, it's it's just interesting to me that. Part of the marketing problem is you can like if you're a company that has to market to people and get them to consume things, like there's all these little emotional levers you can pull to do so, sure. right? Right. One of the biggest ones has been sex, right? Right. Slash loneliness, right? Right. All kinds of advertising, you know, b- buy this car and women are gonna wanna suck your dick or whatever. Right. You know. Um if if people like all reach a level of content, right? Like let's if if human beings could reach So first of all, people's happiness, unfortunately, I think is, is highly relative, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You you know, we live in a, in a, in a, in a scenario now where like all, but like all, but the people literally living on the streets, all the poor people, except the ones literally live on the streets, live better, more, more safe, more healthy lifestyles than Kings used to live a few hundred years ago. Right. Right. Um, Easily
0: forgotten fact.
1: Right. Right. And it's because if, if we don't want people to be content with what they have right like if you've got your little studio apartment and you've got um and it's not that great maybe it's in a shitty part of town but you've got you know ac and you got food and you got clean water and you' got a quiet clean place to sleep and you've you know whatever like you're in pretty good shape all, all your needs are are cared for um in, in the most basic sense right but that's not good enough right we want you we need you to always want more and then we need to figure out a way to get take money from people who have a surplus of that money and give it to you so that you can buy more that you want. Right. Um, so you're marketed to incessantly. Right. And, and it's been designed in a way to, to make you fucking miserable
0: because, well, and it's easier to market now than ever has been before with the social media places like where most of marketing happens now, right? you know, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, you're literally in, you can market to any little niche that you want to because of how much data these, these companies have on you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's this kind of interesting Victor Davis Hanson quote, right? Um, and he's a, he's a historian, right? He studies like classical history, he studies, right. you know, Roman empire, Greek empire. Um, and and he's he's very fascinated in like the downfall of great empires, right? Mm-hmm. He's written extensively on it. He's researched extensively on it. Um, his quote is, so quote, the gradual decline of society is often a self-induced process of trying to meet ever-expanding appetites rather than a physical inability to produce past levels of flu- food and fuel or to maintain adequate defense. And he's speaking about past societies where that's, that's been the well, that's case, been right? The case. Like, and, and you might describe that as decadence, right? Like right. part of the fall of the Roman Empire is this huge rise in, in decadence in all these different ways, right? Um, and he's right, right? So, so it's the self-induced process of trying to meet the ever-expanding appetites, right? And, and now you've got this, this kind of marketing media machine
0: that, that wants to make sure your appetite's that.
1: always increasing, in right? That, yeah. So, such to the point that you're willing to rip apart the fabric of what made our society successful in the first place to get more, because someone has more than you, right? And that's not okay. Even if you have clean water, food, shelter, basic health care, whatever, it's not enough. K twelve education, that's not enough anymore. Now you need college, right? Like, um, and it's led to the downfall of societies in the past. Arguably it'll lead to the downside to the, to the downfall of societies in the future. One of those might be the United States. And part of that might be the great reset. Yeah. Like I, I, I think we're seeing a, a scary transition in power. I think it's well understood that like the U S is losing global hegemony. China's gaining global hegemony. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore China is even going to gain influence in things like, how the pie gets divided up in the great reset. Right. Um, they're already getting, I mean, you know, all of the uh, wealthy elite political donor class, I think we've seen very clearly, um, are totally corrupt. Right. And, and they've, and it's not necessarily that like they are sympathetic to China per se. Mm -hmm. It's just that they want access to a market of a 1.7 billion people. Right. Right. Um, and so they're willing to sell out their fellow countrymen in order to get it. Right. Um, and it's just it's just plain old-fashioned greed and, and selfishness. And, you know, tying into that, there was that video. Did you see the viral video of that, of that Chinese economics professor?
0: Uh, no. I, I've seen something about Swal- Swalwell. Uh, I've seen stuff about him, which that was okay. pretty interesting. But I haven't seen. What's the economics okay, professor? So,
1: so if you can pull. Can, you, can we get, like, audio into? Like, if we pull up a video uh, and screen, does it do audio, too? Uh, we'll like find out. Video? We'll find out, won't we? So so first of all, you should pull up. like Just, just like, look up the video of Eric Swalwell farting because <laughs> there's it i mean you know potty humor here but okay this I, video where he I, farts I like that in like an interview
0: i type i type in eric swar swall eric swall right swall the first thing it is is like him farting It is yeah. like the first look at this the well first he's fucking, more famous
1: for farting than fucking a chinese spy uh, ironically but
0: let me see here real quick oh damn it that didn't come through here maybe i can Maybe I can, I I can fix that real quick. (laughs) Um. Or worst case, put your mic down by the, where the fuck is Jamie? God damn it. We're technology amateurs. We're technology amateurs. I don't know what you were expecting when you turned this on.
1: Um, I mean, you got to have good audio for this to really like hear the use fart. taxpayer dollars to ask right. the ukrainians to help him cheat an election and the complaint that i've heard from republicans all no last week was that you way. don't have anyone who heard the call he Chris pauses so far, dude. like the evidence space. is uncontradicted that the president used taxpayer dollars mean, like... to ask the ukrainians to help him cheat an election and the complaint <laughs> that i've heard from
0: Cheat a... an election well, it almost sounds like it sounds like it was it could have been like a chair it's something. well no, that was totally a fart. It sounds like somebody like maybe edited it in there. Like maybe he stopped. Cause like, it sounds like just like a, like a what, fart machine. It's like on fart.
1: CNN or something. It, yeah. It? It's, it's
0: on MSNBC, MSNBC. An election.
1: And the complaint that I've heard from Republicans all last week was that you don't have anyone who heard the call. Oh shit. So that was the end of it. I mean, if it were a Republican on MSNBC, I wouldn't be surprised if they like edited in a fart, but they wouldn't do that to a Democrat.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, So that was November, 2019. That was, that was probably while he was fucking the, the Chinese spy, right? Probably.
1: Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of funny, but if you can find it, um, see if you can figure, like find the, um, like Chinese finance professor, like video. Right. and, It's in it guys speaking in Chinese, right? So you have to read the, the, the subtitles, but the subtitles are pretty damning.
0: Is this Darren Doofy?
1: It's probably not it. Oh, I don't think so. Well, here's the funny thing. It got taken down from a lot of platforms, right? What was, uh, who
0: posted it? Like where, where did you see it? I saw
1: it on a Tucker Carlson clip. Um, see if we can find it here no i typed in well here's one here's one i'll send it to you from um sky news australia okay like of course only conservative links are you know covering a video where a chinese professor who's deeply involved in the chinese communist party like outright admits that they've paid off biden but
0: All right, let's go YouTube. One of the biggest questions that has always been there to answer your a little bit to ask is about the deals that have been done between the Biden family and China. Are they the types
2: of people who this bloke is proudly talking about to a room full of people? This who bloke, are
0: laughing at this guy, is, this guy is super fucking West Australian.
1: Actually is. It is Australian news. <laughs> 传统的精英, 政治精英, 啊, 这个建制派, 所以大家看到吧, 你在全球有什么, he's almost like he's he almost how
0: like confident China is that th- joking about it. Like you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he's being pretty flippant. He's being pretty flippant. It's almost like he's, yeah. I, I, would the CCP want something like that to get out? I mean, like honestly, dude, any you, someone could have like made that video and put like whatever they wanted to, and I've been like, oh wow.
1: No, it's you know what I mean. So when Tucker called it, Tucker Carlson, like I mean, th- there's been fact checkers all over it. Like the the, right. the 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 subtitles are accurate.
0: They are accurate. They are okay. accurate. Okay.
1: It hasn't been debunked. It's a legit video. That right, that right. guy's a like very like he's he's at like the university in Beijing, like mm-hmm. basically the premier university of China. Right. He's a key finance professor there. He's heavily involved in the Chinese Communist Party. And I mean, it's not that he's like brokering these deals or anything, but right. he's like talking about the Chinese economy and like he's basically saying, like, we're gonna have a boom because we've got all the people we need positioned where we need them. Right. 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 Um, I think that's pretty it's pretty scary. Yeah. You know? And, and it's pretty scary that basically what that represents, and he talks about how the avenue into that is not the politicians directly per se, but Wall Street, right? And how Trump right. had issues with Wall Street and they didn't right. get along and that's how they couldn't control Trump. And like, it, it's it's just, it's you know, combine that with like the Eric Swalwell thing and the picture you start to paint is that there's a lot,
0: there's a lot going on.
1: And like, look, I don't want to like go into like full on nationalism or anything like that, but right. like, I'm not a fan of, of foreign governments. You like manipulating public perception. Right. To further their money-making schemes. Right. Um, So yeah, I don't think
0: that's a very necessarily a very nationalist point of view. (laughs) I just think that's like a pretty like reasonable point of view, and like I would not want our like our government doing the same thing to somebody else's.
1: And we probably have. We probably have one hundred percent. Absolutely, we we, we
0: absolutely have, and it's it's a shame. And
1: it's and it's not so fun when it's happening to you,
0: right? Exactly.
1: But but it's okay if it's happening to you if you're one of the people benefiting from it. If you're one of the multi like, again, like the political elite class that are billionaires like if 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 there's a financial scheme to make money where an externality of that is the decline of the U.S. economy they don't have to give a fuck yeah they don't Yeah, because they've right. got a an awesome like 20 million dollar apartment in Toronto and they've got a, a, a place in you know Bali or they've got another place in I don't know fucking Tuscany or whatever right right like they're citizens of the globe they don't have any allegiance to the United States the United States is one of many money-making vehicles to them right and and that's kind of a scary thing I think we've talked in the past about how there's this transition of power that we've seen like through history where like at some point monarchs were the most powerful thing that, that there was right? right and then like the big churches came along like specifically the Catholic Church came along and, and, and they had they they were power like, centers for they were while. like arguably the power center
0: for well, well, they still are they still have quite a bit of power. Well, they do have a lot of power still
1: and then it kind of was like a fight for power between monarchs and the Catholic church. Right. You've got like, um, King Henry VIII, who was like, you know, listen, I want to get a divorce. So fuck you Catholic church. Right. Um, and then gradually monarchs fell out of style and, and now really the power structure or used to be the power structures, nation states. Well, now certain nation states that worked well economically, but didn't put sufficient controls in place to prevent corruption like the United States. Right. they've allowed allowed, that economic success has been allowed to snowball to the point that now these wealthy interests are no longer, they can no longer make more money only in the United States. Right. right? So you've got multinational corporations and now multinational corporations are the power centers. Right. And governments are just, just tools to be manipulated by the multinational corporations. Right. right. right? Um, And and again, that's the inverted totalitarianism thing. Right. Right. It's the whole, the whole um, premise of that. Um, but it's, it's scary. Um, you know, and it's, it's weird. Like I'm not a statist. I'm not a huge fan of nation states having a bunch of power. Um, but I don't think that, you know, multinational corporations are going to be any more responsible. I think no, they're, they're, they're going to be less responsible. Right. And I think that all of the ills of government, I think the most of the ills of government, um, are from corruption, uh, you know, private sector corruption of the government. Right. um, and, and, and you know, again, part of the narrative has always been in, like, this is the whole Occupy Wall Street thing was to blame Wall Street for it. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and like Peter Schiff rose to internet fame because he came out and talked to those people and he said, look, well, you know, corporations are always going to do whatever they can to make money. You should right. be, this, this problem you're facing is a failure of your government. Right. right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: The government's not going to admit that they're going to turn it there. You know, the narrative is always going to be, well, it's these well, corporations right. or whatever, right. you know, um, but it, but it's ultimately a, a failure of government, right? So we've had this this failure to control um, corruption, and now we've seen that like the newest wealthy interests that fund politicians, including Joe Biden, um, are are globalist in that they have global interest, they have global right. financial interest, and their global financial interests require them to create, you know, to change legislation in the United States. Um. You know, classic example of this. And and again, this is why the, this is why the PR branch of those people, of those elites, people like Katie Reif, you know, hate the hillbilly elegy narrative so much because it gets it right and it turns the mirror back on them. And it says your actions were irresponsible. Right. You hollowed out a middle class in a country and created economic devastation to make better margin on cheap shit. Right. And they don't want to say, they, they want to say, no, that wasn't us. Right. That's uh, the problems. There are actually all based in racism, <laughs>
0: right? Right. You know, so it's, it's actually right. all just racism. Right. They're just a
1: bunch of racist white people that wanted to vote for Trump because he's a racist. And if you think any more about it than that, then it's dog whistles and you're covering for racists right. and whatever else, right? Right. Um, and part of that comes down to right. And this 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 goes back to I mean all this stuff that we've been talking about. It's all appeal. It's all appeals for power, right? right. That your speech, your free speech, is dangerous to them. People sitting around and talking about this shit is dangerous to them. The American revolution was started by a bunch of guys getting drunk in the beer hall together and right. saying, fuck King George. Right. right.
0: Yeah. Fuck this situation that we're in.
1: That shit is dangerous to power structures. Right, it totally so, is. but what do they do now? Right. They know that it'll be fucking revolution if they outright try to ban shit by, by fiat. So instead it's a PR effort to convince you that your speech is dangerous to you. Right. Right your speech is going to lead to more COVID cases because there's people out there saying that masks don't work or your right. speech is going to lead to more global warming because there's people out there saying it's a hoax or your speech is damaging because there's people out there that believe the earth is flat right. or that we never landed on the moon or what the fuck ever, right? right. All these people that don't have enough power to do jack shit. Um, but you can appeal to a lot of high-minded scientific types <clears throat> and convince them that these people should be silenced, Right. Um, but again, like it's, it's sold as their speech is dangerous to you. The reality is it's not, it's not, yeah. speech is dangerous to them. Right. Right. And they've got to put a they've got to put a, the kibosh on it. Right. Um, you know, so it, again, it's a similar thing where you having a desire to be entrepreneurial, you having a desire to go out there and compete, to disrupt, to make money on your own. It's dangerous to them. Right. They have to convince you that you shouldn't try. Right. You, you can't do it. The system's unfair. Um, and you should just instead want to depend on the fruits of others' labor. Right. Right. Those particularly white people, right? Like it's unfair. That's rigged against you because you're black. So what we should do is then <clears throat> create policies that are, um, you know, wealth transfer schemes that are based on race or that are based on whatever else. Right. Um, so, and again, it's like not even the first time we've seen this, mm-hmm. Right. Like you can look back at um the robber barons of like the early 20th century, right? Like your your Vanderbilt's, your, your JP Morgan Chase, your um Rockefellers, right? It, 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 if you if you study that in much depth, you see the same thing like happened there. A lot of the economic policies that were passed back then that were designed that were there were regulations around factory work and things right. like that, right? A lot of that, and I'm not saying that these things didn't necessarily benefit society in some ways, right? Like I'm not like didn't defend child labor laws right. <laughs> or anything like that, <laughs> right? But, but nonetheless, it's still factually true that uh, that an externality of those policies that they were very much advocating for were create is that they created more barriers of entry by restricting working hours, um, by you know creating regulations around factory conditions. Like again, back then I would still argue, I would probably argue that on balance all those things were probably the right move. Right. Right. But, um, but the reason why the wealthy elites of that time wanted those things is not out of benevolence to you. Right. It's out of the desire to create barriers of entry. And, and we're, and we're seeing that, that again. Right. Um, You know, kind of going back to that, like Victor Davis Hansen quote, we've got this new problem, I think, where, we believe that like the ultimate virtue is for everyone to be happy. Right. Like everyone right. wants to be happy all the time. Right. Like for one, happiness is relative. Right. Um, and I think it's kind of funny that like when the framers met and wrote the constitution, they said you have the right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Right. They didn't say you have the right to be happy. Right. One that's fucking impossible. And you're not going to be happy all the time. Nobody's happy all the time. If they are, right. they, they Go have a patho- it's a pathology. Right. 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 Um, but it's, it's the right to pursue happiness. And and the thing is, and like we've, you know, we talked about tying in stoicism and and here we go. Like part of one of the philosophies of stoicism is it's it's about the journey, right? It's about right. the work you put in to get there. It's not about the destination. Happiness is, is a journey. It's not a destination. It's, right. It's working. It's improving yourself. It's doing something meaningful. It's helping others. All this kinds of stuff. It's not being in a state of constant ecstasy, right? It's not fucking and doing drugs all the time. Right. 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 Like, and, um, you know, you, you can't get there. You can't be happy forever. Happiness wears off and it should, right? You, you, you need something new or something more to become happy again. Like again, you, you can have your great lifestyle. You can have your very nice house, your very nice car, all the chotskis you could ever want. And and what do you find yourself doing? Well, you're shopping for the next car, you're shopping for more shit, you're going on Amazon, you want to buy the newest device, whatever. Right. Like you always have to have some new thing, right? Right. right. To to be to be to be happy. And, and and that's good for them. They want that. Right. And they want to convince you that happiness is equivalent to consumption. Right. Right. Um But it's 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 people who are truly happy, it, it, you know, it rarely correlates to what they have basically. Right. And it really more correlates to how they spend their time and what they do to pursue happiness right. and pursue world, meaning.
0: What, right. Right. Pursue meaning. Yeah.
1: And look, you can have a world where people pursue meaning and, and, and arguably pursue happiness. But when you have a world that aims to maximize happiness as the destination, that's the, that's the world of, of that's, that's a brave new world. Right. Right. Um, you know, and then maybe this is a, a, a good area to kind of like wrap up, but one of the more poignant scenes in the book, a brave new world You know, so John the Savage, um, goes to meet with Mustafa Mond, who's the world controller. Right. And then they go back and forth a lot. And, and, you know, John the Savage is used to living outside of kind of civilization. Like they kind of paint the picture in the book to be kind of the equivalent of like a native American reservation Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And he's living a very natural life, right? People like, so in, in a brave new world, like people are not born to mothers, right? They're literally raised in bottles. They're genetically engineered. Um, John the savage is born of his mother's womb and society looks at that as kind of hideous and grotesque, right? That he was born that way. Right. Um, and, and so he lived in a world that had struggle and that had pain and had unhappiness and was difficult. Right. Right. Whereas in a brave new world, that's a world of everyone basically fucking and doing drugs all the time. Right. You are constantly on Soma as the drug of choice there, Mm -hmm. um, in, in a brave new world to, to keep you happy and malleable to the state. Right. Right. And so the, the, the interesting thing is like they make Mustafa Mond not, he's not the traditional totalitarian type, right? He's right. not, he's not the like rule- a
0: dictator that rolls like iron fist kind of like attitude and like a total right. douchebag. He,
1: he basically says like, Hey, you and Bernard Mark's the main character. You guys are welcome to leave. And in fact, Bernard's going to get, you know, like banished to an Island or whatever. Um, and he's like, you, you and so they go back and forth a lot. Right. And um, John ultimately decides he wants to leave. Mm hmm. Because in, in Mustafa Mon's words, he wanted the right to suffer. So Mustafa Mond had tried to build a world without suffering. And he and Mustafa Mond kind of like, again, has this insider knowledge of this whole thing and how it used to be. And so he is kind of understanding of that. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's really, really interesting to me. And it's, and again, it's really reflective of like the world we, we kind of live in now. Right. Um, but I think, you know, tying it back to the Great Reset, I think the most noble thing you can say about some of the people who are advocating for Great Reset, and this isn't true of all of them, but it's true of some of them, like like the Zuckerbergs and the Bezos, is that those people had to suffer to get to where they are. Right. Right, they, they they suffered probably multiple points. They put a lot of work into things. They had lawsuits. They had friends and family issues. You know, whatever.
0: Right, they, there was a lot of sacrifice to be to be in that position. And that they know,
1: and they know that they're better off for having suffered for that. And right. They, they know that they have a better appreciation for life and a better life for having suffered like that. Um, and and again, even if it's rooted in good intentioned utopianism, they want to eliminate your right to be able to suffer. Right. Which, in my opinion, eliminates your right to being happy.
0: Yeah, I think it makes you less of a human too, as well.
1: Right, it it does. I, I mean, again, there's degrading. there's no happiness without suffering. Right. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Did Mustafa Man, Did he? I've not read a, great, uh, a Brave New World. Is he? Did he build the the structure of the Brave New World like out of like uh, benevolence, or was it like intentionally?
1: No. So that's the kind of funny thing. Like he is. I don't know if you want to say he's benevolent per se. But he's not he's not malevolent, right? Okay. Like he's not a terrible guy. Like you, you have the right to leave, qu- like the world, right? Like you right. can leave and you can go. It's like one of the characters wants to be a writer, right? One of the one of the kind of like um, Bernard Marx's best friend. Um, fuck, I can't remember his name. Um, he wants to be a writer, and he's realizing he has nothing to inspire his work because he's never suffered. Yeah. Right. He has nothing to, has nothing to drive about nothing to talk about, nothing, to, talk nothing, about, nothing yeah. to drive his artistic talent because he's no. never suffered. So he kind of volunteers himself. He's, he goes to Mustafa Mond and as part of this kind of conversation with Bernard and John, the savage and he says, I want to leave. And, and Mustafa Mond's like, okay, well, where do you want to go? We've got this Island, we've got this Island, you know, this has this kind of weather This has this kind of weather. And he go. he intentionally picks an Island with really, really shitty weather because he thinks that that'll create inspiration for him to write. Well, I mean, I,
0: I, I, Makes sense, and, like, and Mustafa like,
1: mind kind of like applauds him for it. He, say, right. he kind of says like, "Hey, listen, I admire that.
0: Yeah, and go for it." That's where all of our great art comes from. That's where all the good music comes from. That's where all the good movies come from. Yeah, and books
1: too. Absolutely. So absolutely.
0: All right, um, two hours of fifteen minutes. Nice. It's good. It's good.
1: You got anything else?
0: No, I don't know. I'm good, man. Made it through. Made it through. Kinda, what five kinda pieces kinda rambled of paper. Through Some shit here. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sweet. See you guys.